So I'm, I'm probably What's good up, to- everyone? This is Final Fan TV. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Final Podcast 17. We have a really fun one for you today. For today, not tonight. Combine the words tonight and today. Tonight. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We have Dan Seto as a special guest party member. Um, and he was the former Square Enix community manager during some very exciting times in Final Fantasy history. He is also the current WB Games International social media communications manager. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be a really fun one. Uh, we are Final Fan TV, where we spotlight the Final Fantasy developers, voice actors, and community members every weekend. If you like that, please subscribe so that we may continue to host amazing guests like Dan Seto. Dan, how are you doing today, man? Hello, I am all good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, we're, we are ecstatic to have you on the show, Dan. Uh, I'm sure you've had much, much uh, more impressive guests than me on here. Oh, no, man. Come on. This is exciting because you have been in this. Like, you're in, you were, you're in the industry, which is really exciting for me personally because. Um, I've always dreamed of being in the uh, gaming industry. Um, you know, community manager is a job that is something I would look into. I'm, I would be very uh, interested in that. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about what you do, um, the experiences you've had in your role. Um, and yeah, especially during some really, really cool times uh, for Final Fantasy, such as the Final Fantasy VII remake announcement and Final Fantasy XV, a launch of a, a mainline Final Fantasy. Uh, but before we get to that, I would love to uh, ask you more about your job, so that way people can uh, maybe get get to know you and what you do. Um, and even before that, I'd like to <laughs> excuse me, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just really excited to talk to Dan. Let me introduce the rest of the Final Fan TV party. We have Vinny, the Limit Breaker, covering. <laughs> What's up, Vinny? Hey, how's it going? Also, joining us in the party with another really cool picture, and there's a meaning to it. Reed will explain it. It is Reed. <laughs> I'm trying out something new here. The Phoenix Down Daniels. There you what, go. Phoenix? Did you just like the Phoenix? Just read the Phoenix. Better than Ramblin' Reed, right? <laughs> Better than Ramblin' Reed. <laughs> I don't know. It's John, John Eric Bentley is going to like catch this and, and be like frustrated. We, we didn't say Ramblin' Reed. So. Uh, yeah, He's going to so, pull so. all his endorsements. <laughs> exactly. So uh, before we started recording, uh, I know Dan is a, a big uh, JoJo fan. So I was trying to uh, get the Dio face over mine for a picture, but... Uh, my Photoshop skills are equal, equivalent to uh, a two-year-old. Uh, therefore, I have chosen instead to uh, represent myself with a potato. So, he, he's he's being too <laughs> humble. The real reason is Dio's body isn't muscular enough to <laughs> yeah. accent Reed's face. So, we just had to use a potato. Exactly. Yeah, it, the, I recently had surgery, not to repair my knee. It was actually just a. Uh, um, uh, what's that? What's that called? Like a rhinoplasty or whatever, just to to actually surgically uh, change my face to look like Dio. It was muscle reduction surgery. He was yeah, too swollen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was too swollen. The blood muscle flow was starting early. Surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Vinny. I got you. It's <laughs> like. So that's a little bit about us, guys. So let's get over to Dan Sato. 
What's up, Dan? So as a community manager or a social media communication manager, uh, you are essentially the voice of the company, um, for at least the voice that fans hear and interact with. Um, could you tell me more about your job and what you did at Square Enix and also what you do now at WB Games? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so at Square, I was um, yeah community manager for the Japanese titles. So, um, you know, everything from all the Final Fantasy games to everything else coming out from out of the Japan studio. So Neo Automata, um, Kingdom Hearts games, you know, the Secret of Man or the Mana series. So Star Ocean at the time as well. So yeah, all of those. And yeah, as community manager, it was the term community manager can be quite broad and depending on where you go and which company, you know, the your responsibilities, you know, vary drastically. So yeah, uh, Dan, as you mentioned, um, generally speaking, the job of a community manager is to be one of the public faces and voices of the company to the community, the person who will speak to to them, engage them and give them updates, get feedback, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and right now I am social media communications manager at Warner Brothers Games, uh, where the role is a little bit different to a community manager. So it's, as the name suggests, it's managing social media channels. Um, specifically at uh, Warner Brothers Games, I sit in what we what is normally called in, I guess, in the industry, um, uh, the central EMEA team. So depending on the company, of course, but a lot of companies, especially global ones, are structured in a way that you have a central team that kind of oversees territory. So EMEA stands for Europe, Middle East, and Asia. So we have offices like in other um, countries, so we got a UK office, France, in France, Germany, Spain, Italy, you know, etc. And I oversee them and help them um, execute social media campaigns. In a nutshell, that's yeah, that was and is my my job, among nice. other things. Awesome, awesome. Um, so during your time at Square Enix uh, as the community manager uh, from 2014 to 2018, yes, uh, okay, yes, awesome. Something uh, like during that, that time. <laughs> <laughs> as far as Final Fantasy goes, uh, during that time, the following games were released. Uh, you had Final Fantasy X, ten two on PS4 uh, and PC. Uh, then you had Theatrhythm, Final Fantasy Curtain Call on the on the 3DS, Final Fantasy Explorers for the 3DS, Final Fantasy Type-0 HD moved it over to the PS4 and Xbox One, World of Final Fantasy, Mobius Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age released on the PS4, uh, Dissidia Final Fantasy NT on the PS4, and of course, the big one, Final Fantasy XV, and all of its various expansions. Um, before we get into Final Fantasy XV, uh, I would like to talk to you about how you got to sit down with uh, Final Fantasy XV and Final Fantasy Type-0 HD's game director, Hajime Tabata, on Square Enix Presents uh, Active Time Report, which was a YouTube series. Um, yeah, I mean, how cool was that to to like sit down with? Have you met him beforehand? And and you know, how many game directors and Final Fantasy do you get to meet? <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. That was that was a very very cool moment uh, for me. That yeah, I mean, I guess naturally a lot of people kind of forget, um, but it was it was great. It was so much fun. Um, the luck went luckily because I. Again, because of my role and the team that I was part of in, in Square Enix, um, 
I have been fortunate to meet a lot of the dev team um, through the job. Um, naturally, you might assume because you know you need to talk to these people sometimes to be able to do the work and do the jobs. Um, so, but at the time, I think I hadn't really been at the company for that long, so I hadn't met that many of the dev team or dev teams, I suppose. But the, the fifteen, the Final Fantasy fifteen team were really really cool they were a joy to work with and they were even to this day one of the maybe even the most unique dev teams and studios that i've ever worked with because they were so open and they were so willing you know they were the most encouraging to actually listen to everyone and get everyone to talk and hear opinions on basically everything i mean as as um, consumers and fans, I'm, I'm assuming you guys and people watching and people played 15 kind of got a feeling of that from, you know, the way they tried to engage with people, get feedback and, you know, all the updates and DLC and all that stuff for the game. Um, when the active time report happened in London, I think that might have only been the second or third one. So that was it was still in its early early infancy it was i think if i remember correctly it was designed it was supposed to be quite a regular update series because the again the team was so and i can't stress how unique this is especially for a japanese developer that they really wanted to um be as transparent as possible with the community and the fans so it was supposed to be like a regular update i can't remember exactly how many they did in the end but i guess that's that's kind of like a move point um i had met uh hajime tabata maybe once or twice before um before this so uh, at this point i i wouldn't i wasn't even sure if he would remember me or even remember my name or anything like that so and it was kind of a thing when because he he came over the reason we did it well part of the reason we did it was because he was over for um you know, internal meetings and other kind of things within the company. So, and it was just the timing was like, well, we want to do, you know, we've got some things we want to share with the community. Um, we want to publicize. So let's just do it in London. So it's like, okay, fine. We can do that. Um, and yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to be, to be a part of it. And it was really, really cool. And like I say, because it was so early in its infancy, um, as a video series, like nothing was nailed down there was no kind of like script or format to follow usually they they record them in japan so they were like in their little streaming room so we decked out one of our um one of our meeting rooms you know we had kind of cool um london skyline in the background look like we you know, had screens we we're showing off like trends and whatnot um but i remember i'll tell you that when they came when the team came over and not that long actually before we were scheduled to actually do the thing. I think we had announced at this point. We could, like I said, because everything was kind of in flux. We didn't actually really know everything that was going to be in the show. Um, I take, I call it a show. You know what I mean? Um, I, mean I call this a show too. <laughs> yeah. So what happened was like, I was thinking it was going to be like um, a feedback session. So I went around the community of like, you know, what questions you have, we'll see if we can answer. It was going to be more of a Q&A. But then when I met um, Tabata-san, when he came over, and he was like, oh, by the way, we've got these, we want to show off this video, we want to show off the gameplay, we want to show off, the... and I'm like, what? 
Because at this, because at this point, you know, we we hadn't even seen, we didn't see it either. So it was like we were turning into our meetings, and he was like, "By the way, this is what we want to show." And we showed this video, and we we're like, "Wow, this is, this is really amazing stuff. This is really cool." It was, if I remember correctly, it was the first time we, you know, we showed some gameplay the, in the cave. Um, and I can't remember if that was where we, we might have shown off the world, the first World of Wonder video i can't remember exactly but there was a bunch of stuff and so usually you know we planned it for it to be quite relatively like an hour long and it turned out to be like two and a half hours of thing because yeah we had so much stuff to go through there were so many reveals um that we were like yeah we've got to cram it and tabatasan loves to talk he's a great or he is one of the most charismatic i think he actually might be he's definitely one of maybe the most charismatic developer at square enix at the time that i had met because he just he could talk to you and he could he could sell you he could sell you a potato with the, not with or without dio's face on it so, like, uh, very very important yeah. <laughs> like he like the i'm not sure if this really came across in like the interviews and and the active time reports but the passion in, that he has for everything that he does is so palpable that whenever you spoke to him, whenever he talked about Type Zero, whenever he talked about um, uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen, like you would be hanging off his every word. And it's he's just such a lovely man. Um, it's it's a real shame that he's no longer no longer at Square. Yeah, I was uh, kind of disappointed in that too. I really, really loved Final Fantasy Fifteen, um, and I'm I'm almost like a hundred percent confident that I watched one of your active time reports. It, it was probably the Type Zero um, Fifteen one when it was airing, because I, I was just so hyped for it. Um, and yeah, I, I grew to to really, really enjoy hearing uh, Tabata Stan like talk about, um, you know. The final, final Fantasy is so entertaining, like you said, charismatic and stuff. Um, and I was sold, and for me, it delivered. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, speaking of Final Fantasy fifteen, uh, let's talk about let's talk about the uh, your work experience during Final Fantasy fifteen, like the the I guess the the lead up to. Uh, and then after the launch of Final Fantasy XV, uh, if you could talk about maybe uh, some of the victories you had um, and also maybe some of the things that you had to deal with, with, um, I don't know, like passionate fans. Yeah. How you could take like a pretty unsteady situation and turning it into a positive, which I'm sure is like, like your number one, uh, or at least it's it's up there as as your job uh, to do, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Could you tell me about all of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like you say, turning a for any community manager, you know, whether wherever they work in games, out of games, um, turning when if you know if an unfortunate event happens and there is a bit of a negative situation, turning that into a positive, if you can't, you know, that is. The biggest challenge, or at least one of the biggest challenges any community manager will have to face. Um, and the thing is, it's 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 quite interesting doing it for Square and doing it for the Final Fantasy brand, especially because you've kind of alluded, yeah, those those passionate fans can be yeah, very, very passionate. Um, and it really highlights how unique Final Fantasy is in all of gaming because you you get passionate fans 
everywhere, right? I mean, God, just remember, you know, the Mass Effect 3 ending. Remember that? You know, how the fan response for that was. Yeah. And, you know, that, and that's just, you know, as an example. So things in video games get heated all the time. You know, I, you know, you only have to look on Twitter for like maybe five minutes before you find something. Um, but the thing is with the Final Fantasy franchise, that no other franchise, at least I don't think, has, has to deal with as a long term. But the situation is there is such a huge generational difference and gap for the fan base. Like other franchises that have been around a long time, you know, Super Mario, Legend of Zelda, you know, it's two probably the other biggest um, that have been around around the same time. And the thing is with those franchises is that the games, you know, have all been like Final Fantasy, Legend of Zelda, uh, Mario, all have fantastic games. But the thing is with the Nintendo ones is that there's a palpable DNA between them all. Even Breath of the Wild, which is hugely different from my favorite, The Wind Waker, is still, you know, Zelda, it's still very much Zelda. Yeah, it's still it's so funny how like just jumping in on that. It's so funny how there is like this crazy divide in the Zelda fan base between something like Wind Waker, which was which is like a very divisive game amongst the fan base, which is kind of convenient. Uh, But it's like it's pretty much between that and Breath of the Wild now, and then you still have you know like. Um, a link to the past sort sort of thing like that, but yeah, yeah, you don't want to get get in an argument with two D versus three D Zelda, just like yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. um, but the thing is with Final Fantasy is that you ask ten different people what Final Fantasy is, and I'll give you ten different answers. You know, some people will be adamant that it's it's about being turn based. Some people will be adamant that it's about um, having a huge cast of characters. You know, some people will have. You know, it's all about the leveling up systems, et cetera, et cetera. And because each mainline game is so different from the last, it means that there's a bigger rift between, you know, you almost, you basically get almost completely separate communities um, within, within the franchise. And that was the biggest challenge and I would always be a challenge for any Final Fantasy community manager in dealing with that because... You have so many different people who have so many strong opinions of what Final Fantasy is that whenever the next one comes on, you know, when 16 comes and it shows again that it's going to be drastically different from what 15 was, drastically different from 7 and 10, you know, there'll be people like saying, this isn't Final Fantasy, and it's like, hey, come on, let's be real, it is, look at it, you know, it's got, and 15 was the same, as much as it did differently, there's so much in it that people, probably a lot of people don't even realize um, is still the same and it's still in that Final Fantasy DNA. The combat system actually um, is a lot more similar to traditional Final Fantasy com- turn-based combat than people actually realize, even though it is completely real-time. Um, and yeah, the, the biggest the biggest problem, I say the big not problem, but you know what I mean, the biggest issue we had with 15 was obviously its history. That was something that we always knew would be a challenge um, because of, you know, yeah, because of everything that was known and what people think they know about versus 13. Yeah. Um, And one thing, I think one of the hardest lessons a community manager has to learn, um, and also probably one of the fastest they should learn, is that 
not all feedback and not all comments are necessarily worth validating or listening to because that you know you look online some people will never have their minds changed you know i mean you look at let's say look at flat earthers right though you know those kind of communities you okay maybe a generalization but you know what i mean it's like these kind of people have got this thing in their mind so mm -hmm. strongly that no matter what evidence no matter what proof you show them no matter what you say they're set and we had this problem with um in a certain subset of the community for Final Fantasy 15, especially in the early days, that um, even after we said, look, no, Final Fantasy 15 is completely different from versus 13. We're putting our flag, you know, we put our flag in the sand and we're saying, look, forget about it. We're moving forward. We're not going to be talking about versus anymore. This thing. And people still would. They'll still bring it up. They still bring it up to this day. And yeah. it's like, so it's like, well, you could spend all your energy trying to convince these people and they'll spend a lot of their energy arguing with you mm -hmm. and saying how oh, you're stupid, how you're wrong, how you're ruining the franchise and all this kind of stuff. When really, you know, you have to learn like, okay, look, this is a losing battle. We need to, to you know, even for your own, as a community manager, your own mental health, yeah. you need to focus on what you can actually achieve and what positive things you can actually do. And that's, that was really, yeah, the most, I think the most challenging thing about 15 in terms of like, I guess, uh, victories or wins is like, I think it's, it's something I think it really succeed. I mean, out completely regardless of what you think of the game, if you, you know, personally, I love it. Um, Diana, you've mentioned you, you really enjoyed it too. Yeah. Um, one thing that with the team was very adamant about pushing this message that they wanted the Final Fantasy franchise to become a challenger again. You probably remember that kind of messaging that um, they kept saying. And what they meant by that was that the one thing in the Final Fantasy DNA that kind of waned a bit um, up before 15 was that it was a, the strive to innovate and the strive just to, just to basically not give a damn and just do what you think was right and just try, try things out. Literally, you know, think we think this will be a cool idea. Let's just do it, regardless of, you know, maybe knowing how well it may or may not turn out. Like we think this is a good idea, so we're going to push for it. So things like, I know it gets a bit of flack now, but the multimedia approach for Final Fantasy Fifteen, you know, with the anime Brotherhood, King's Glaive, the CG movie, um, the mobile games, um, as well as the main game itself, and you know. Right now, you know, yeah, now there's a book out, Dawn of the Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. So it's like the team really wanted to, they thought, you know, overly cynical people were, were accused the company of being like, oh, you're just milking it. Um, right. You're splitting it off. So people have to experience everything to get the whole picture, to get the whole story, you have to spend all that money. Um, I mean, that is one way to look at it. But, and I think when it comes to companies, a lot of people want to take that cynical approach. But the truth is actually a lot more noble. Actually, that, you know, that stuff wasn't anything to do with the reasoning why those things were done. Those re the reasons why they were done was just because they thought, you know, they wanted to make Final Fantasy XV bigger than the game. They wanted to make it a 
a big monumental event. So you're like, okay, so if we do all this kind of stuff, you know, one, we can, you know, maybe potentially reach different kind of audiences, you know, anime fans who might watch Brotherhood and be like, oh, this is kind of cool. Maybe I'll go play the game or I'll go watch, for, you know, that cross-media um, support, if you will. And it, that was where it was, and I think that was like the biggest victory um, for, I mean, as a whole for Final Fantasy 15, it was like, it really took that spirit of, you know what, let's just try it. Let's just do it. And we'll do everything we can to make it work. And hopefully it does. You know, obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, but for the most part, I think they, you know, they did really, really well in that regard and the products that came out um, surrounding 15. And yeah, that whole mentality of just trying something new Let's not go down the same beaten path. Let's actually make the franchise an innovator again. Um, and of course, you know, all the promotional stuff we did, you know, there was some load. We did so much for 15 and, you know, looking back, yeah. it's crazy the amount of things we did. Um, <laughs> it was, and it was, it was, it was a lot so of fun. Hype. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, mean, I love it. I honestly could not imagine like when Final Fantasy 16 comes out later on, I could, I I know it's uh, it gets a little flack, like you said, uh, with all this multimedia approach, but I just don't know if I can. I just lo- I loved how Final Fantasy fifteen felt like this big event, like it was you know this was an event in gaming history or type thing, and like we got we got full CGI movies with Game of Thrones actors and um, you know all this. It's just it was so good. You got anime, the books, and everything surrounding it. It just felt like this monumentous moment. Uh, especially I have it, um, the, you know, the collector's edition was so cool. Uh, you know, it, this big, um, the big bang, um, art that Yoshitaka Amano did, uh, with the figure in it, I, I was going nuts about that. So it just felt like this really big event. And I, I honestly just couldn't imagine another final fantasy release, not being surrounded by this, this hype. Um, and another, another thing, a subject I wanted to touch on was I actually spoke with Liam Mulvey, uh, the voice of Libertus from from Kingsclave, and uh, we spoke with him a few weeks ago on Final Podcast, and I asked him, I, I said, uh, well, you know, one of the things that I was thinking before the release of Final Fantasy XV was that, um, you know, Kingsclave may have just been cut content. Was Is that like, uh, is that thing, like they didn't have enough time to, to put it in the game? Um it, you know, like you, I imagine that 15 was supposed to start within the city of insomnia and you kind of, um, you know, live out that the invasion. Um, and he's, and he matches up completely with what you said that he was like, no, uh, he spoke with, you know, some of the directors and stuff. And like, this was the goal from the beginning to have this approach of, you know, multimedia. He wanted to make a CGI movie. Um, and like, they wanted to do this multimedia approach and it was, you know, in the plans from the get go. So that was really cool to get that kind of that information from, from Liam uh, and then you matching it up. Like, I mean, this is, you know, Square Enix had a, uh, had a goal. The directors had a goal in mind. And uh, for me personally, it, it hit the mark. Like I love, I love it when I'm about to start 15, I watch Kingsglaive. And then I'll start 15, you know, uh, maybe even watch Brotherhood. I, I love Brotherhood, too. But, uh, man, Kingsclave was just on another level. So it good. Was. My, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Final Fantasy CG films. Honestly, um, probably, probably enjoyed Kingsclave my first time through more than Advent Children. But uh, I was going to say, like, 
15 had like the most the biggest proactive marketing campaign of like any mainline series you know because like you look at fit uh final fantasy 7 uh, for example that they started this massive campaign about that in hindsight like once it took off there's like oh this is like a phenomenon okay now we're gonna do a movie now we're gonna do the stories books all that stuff like that 15 kind of like jumped out and got that out of the way ahead of time you know like the only predis- like precedent i really think before that was probably final fantasy 10 and like the high point of that hype can't that hype train was going into Walmart and being able to play the Xanarkin demo in the electronics section. <laughs> like, and then, and then you have 15 where it's like Kingslave comes out. And it's like, dude, this is, this is nuts. And uh, I mean, obviously I was one of the people like salivating over um, versus 13 and wondering like after a certain amount of time, I was like, dude, they're just going to blow this up and make this into a main line. It's like, yeah. And and you see all the work that they were doing in the meantime before they announced it because obviously you have all this content. So, sorry, Vinny, I didn't mean to uh, to cut you off there. Oh no, you're fine. Um, yeah, I mean, we live in an uh, an age where you, you know we can properly execute stuff like this now. Like, you know, back like PlayStation One, X, even PlayStation Two, and as far as Xbox Three Sixty, like if a game came out and it was broken. I mean, you kind of just had to deal with it. There were no like patch updates, fixing things or anything like that. You know, new content wasn't really coming out. But now that like, now that everything's digital and everything is so much more easy to access, why not take advantage of it? You know, there are so many games that could benefit from this type of like compilation style, like Fallout. Fallout has a huge story that a lot of people miss because they try and fit all of their story into little lore bits where you have to explore and read like 15 paragraphs of something. And like the last paragraph has something actually really interesting. And, you know, Fallout, if Fallout had like a movie and then maybe like a mini series or you know, just other things that came out with it, it would just benefit and enrich the experience so much more. And like Daniel said, like, I can't see us going forward and not taking advantage of this more often because this is how you really get the whole experience you can't just fit everything into a game and then expect everybody to you know 60 hours into the game still reading 15 paragraph lore bits you know so yeah yeah, that was my um, two cents on it one of the really cool things about 15 um and like if you really uh if you pay attention there's so much lore into that game um so much going into 15 so um yeah man and and dan i really appreciate you uh sharing that those experience leading up to it um i mean it was surrounded by uh a little bit of uh, like you said like you know people people thinking this game was just you know it's taken it's taken years for it to come out um but man i thought they just i thought you guys really nailed it um it, it was really cool um i love the uh, the promotional leading up to it. And I know you had a big role in that now, which is really cool to speak to you. Um, you had a, you had a big role in, in making this uh, release so hype and exciting. Um, and I, I just couldn't imagine them not doing the same thing for 16, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope they do. Um, but again, yeah. you know, we, we live in a very different world right now. Um, so who knows, who knows what's, what's possible. Um, yeah. 15 had they different kind of circumstances as well like i guess every every game does um because the other thing as well that really pushed the team 
and us as well, you know, like in all across the company, um, was the shadow of 13. Like, I, I enjoy 13, but I know it doesn't have exactly the best reputation and was the, you know, that everyone was very aware that it was like a looming shadow for um, for 15, which 15 had to break out of, um, which is, again, one of the reasons why the team was so adamant about going balls to the walls, because they were like, look, if we don't go, it's all or nothing. And they also felt the, the added pressure of um, not only being the next mainline game, but it's like if, if if fifteen was not a success, if then what would that mean for the, for the franchise? You know, so it's like they had that so as well. And you find a lot of developers are big fans of the games they work on and the other you know, franchises they work on. So it's like no one wanted to see see this be the last one. So like, look, right. let's just do let's just go nuts. Literally, let's just do everything we possibly can. And Tabata sound was like the one like the main guy to instigate that. It was just like, look, if we want to be one of the best, you know, they had very, very high aspirations, right? We want to be the best Final Fantasy and we want to be the best selling. So it's like, if we're going to do these things, we have to go all out. And and he was so charismatic that he got everyone on board and we all did. We all did everything we could. And yeah, I, yeah, I'm just really I glad remember. that... Hey, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, there was a um, uh, Game Informer article with with Tabata-san uh, interview, and he said uh, he he compared it to like he was like they said what's what's your favorite Final Fantasy, and he said Final Fantasy VII. And right there, I was like, okay, I'm on board. Okay, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say. And then uh, and he was just like he said Final Fantasy VII, and then um, you know just like paraphrase, I guess. But he he eventually said. Like he wanted fifteen to be on that level or surpass seven, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm uh, all right. I'm excited now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's always that's the, always the goal, right? Were there. Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, when you're making a new game, like you've got to be looking to be the best one, right? So, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah you never sell. Never sell. <laughs> Speaking Absolutely. of the the shadow of a uh, the shadow of like thirteen, I mean, if the big thing. If the big knock on thirteen, which it is, uh, was you know the linear nature of it. So if if you're trying to combat that, well, Final Fantasy fifteen definitely did the complete opposite <laughs> of that. They they definitely embraced the open world on a whole another level. But you know we're talking about sixteen, and that's that's another interesting thing is uh you know fifteen again was coming off of um, thirteen uh, and the criticisms of that. And then, you know, Final Fantasy fourteen when it first came out before it was a Realm Reborn, uh, wasn't wasn't so hot. And then, you know, obviously Realm Reborn came out and it was a great, you know, great game. So fifteen had like so much kind of almost working against it. There's like I can only imagine how much anxiety there was developing fifteen, you know? And then it comes out and it's like people embrace it and, you know, they can finally just be like Ooh, okay, well, that's done. So what do we do for the next one? I don't know. Let's, like, have fun and make a game we won. So it's, like, with six... And, and they're really... What I love is they're really embracing a lot of the franchise staples, like the crystals uh, and and the summons. Like, I love the, the direction they're going and, like, the medieval almost setting. It's almost like a Final Fantasy and Witcher setting for 16 kind of thing. But it's, like, they're just free to, like make a fi the final fantasy game that they want to make and they don't have a loop like you're saying they don't have like a shadow to to run out from or anything like they're 
they just you know so i can only imagine like how much how much more enjoyable of an experience it probably is making 16 and 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 i almost feel like there's less pressure to 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 have that huge campaign because they don't have you know they don't have so much that they feel like is working against them it's it's an interesting one right because there, it's, it's there may not be it, from the public view, there might not always be the um those kind of expectations or right. you know what I mean. Whereas you know it's a whole it can be a whole different story internally because for you know a variety of reasons. And remember, with all the Final Fantasy games, you will have each team and each director who works on it always has you know like their own unique stamp. You know, this sixteen does have that look and feel of you know the 14 team which is where um you know it's it's the majority is coming from i mean obviously it's not like 14 per se but you know what i mean like that kind of style going back and it's that kind of that little i guess almost cyclical nature it's almost like you know how after six you had seven and eight which were you know no longer high fantasy but you know cyberpunk if you will in some parts or you know more modern and then you know, then you had nine, which is a throwback. So this sixteen, it's you know, it depends on the time and it depends on who's involved. And it's like sometimes the creators who just get the shot at the next one just be like, you know what, I want to do it this way. And then it's like, yeah, fine, go for it. Um, and it's you know, that's that's the beauty of, and that's why you know of the, the franchise and why they're all so different because they you know, they're allowed to be um, for you know. For, I think for the better, and I love how you like. I love how you mentioned that because I, in a previous uh, podcast, uh, I it's like verbatim what I was uh, talking about with with the series how it is cyclical, like how uh, the nature of the the protagonist is is like recurring and cyclical. The the environment is recurring and cyclical. It, it like it totally is, and I, I love that you bring that up because you know. Um, like you said, nine is kind of an homage to like kind of the high fantasy back to, you know, um, and then 10 is kind of back to, well, that's kind of a cross, I guess, between the fantasy and yeah. cyberpunk, if you will, sort of. But yeah, no, uh, I just love how there are like ingrained templates almost for different Final Fantasy settings, characters, etc., and like you're saying, like each one's kind of associated with the, each team and director. They kind of they like to draw off whichever one they choose or multiple. But you can always see those elements like as at the root of where a yeah, game's going. Yeah. So they can be so similar and so different with every game. Like that's it's something that I love about Final Fantasy. I so, agree, man. Like it's like the backbone, uh, and then and then the. Uh there's like a backbone of final fantasy and then the game itself is something that can be distinguished completely between any final fantasy uh which is just so cool i love that about that and that's why i uh we were talking earlier this week about what we called the like the golden era of final fantasy was like final fantasy 6 through 10 and that all of that happened in 7 years that was that's insane that's why i've always said uh I would love to see Square Enix kind of go back to a, um, I don't know, get multiple teams working on Final Fantasy games and release them more frequently, <clears throat> because man, they're so, they're stories to be told and they're and they're amazing stories and if that's 
you know, it shows that they can do it with, you know, seven, eight, and nine coming back, back to back to back to back. And it's like all of those games are considered some of the best Final Fantasies of all time. And I would love to see Final Fantasy kind of go back to those. And all of those games are completely different, you know? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I, 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 I love the I love that there's a backbone a final fantasy like reed said and and dan said and then there's just a completely different en- entity that you know for each title so um, um yeah. this might not be like the the popular viewpoint on it but i really hope that they at least release a uh, a newer final fantasy that goes back to the like traditional turn-based um style like i, I like the active time and i like the you know kingdom Hearts style um, hack and slash and everything but like I, w- I wouldn't mind if they ramped up the difficulty and made it you know like you wait your turn like there's no yeah. there's no active time battle gauge because to me that makes it feel more like chess where I'm like in Final Fantasy 10 like you know you're looking down the, the side scroll bar because you're like all right in I have two turns before he goes and he's probably going to kill somebody. So I need to think about like, you know, you, you have time to think about your moves in advance and because you have time, you can make the game more difficult by, yeah. you know, I'd almost, and, I'd almost like counter argue that final fantasy seven remake kind of had like struck the perfect balance between old school uh, turn-based and, you know, new school, like action-based. I, I feel like it was almost the perfect balance. See, I, and I would counter that because I think Final <laughs> Fantasy X, honestly, I think Final Fantasy X's combat is way better than Seven Remakes because with oh, Seven... Yeah. With, Love, with, come on. <laughs> with, with Seven Remake, um, you know, if you're playing on hard difficulty and, you're and you know, you're casting stuff, like, they're... Because the, you're not controlling the other two people, you really have to trust in the AI... And sometimes the AI isn't doing what you want, what it's not following your strategy. So like when you get super bosses and stuff, that AI really needs to follow your strategy or else it's not going to work. So instead of, instead of you formulating your own strategy, now you have to formulate your strategy around how you think your AI is going to um, act. And I'd rather just control Titus, Yuna, Auron, Riku, and just be like, I know Riku's going to do this. I know Auron's. It's yeah, t- I know it's Tidus. <laughs> yeah, we're, we we're uncultured swine. <laughs> For the record, it's also Square Annex. <laughs> um, also, also uncultured swine. <laughs> <laughs> you uncultured swines. But, yeah, you know, what's, what's I, funny is the uh, sorry, Vinny, but like uh, this fits in the exactly what you guys are like kind of debating. What's so funny, and we mentioned it because Dan was on the on the team for this. Um, the perfect kind of median between like that active time battle and the turn-based, which I'm actually playing through again right now. And I've I, like in the last three days since my surgery, I've been like so sucked into it. Uh, Final Fantasy 12 Zodiac Age with the Gambit system. Like I played it on Final Fantasy or, uh, on PS2 and it was like, I, you know, I played through, I was like, ah, this game's like meh. But playing through it on like PS4, I never, I hadn't done it until just now. And I'm playing through, I'm just like, this is incredible. Like, they fix so they they clean it up so much, and there's the job system which is great. Uh, they they kind of play off the sphere grid from ten, and and like Vinny's saying, instead of like relying on AI, you set up like the gambit system. So like you literally before a boss, I'll sit there for ten minutes setting up all these gambits, and I and I have my strategy even without controlling those characters, and you can still swap between characters and everything like that. So I mean, I just wanted to touch on that as far as like the perfect like 
integration between those two combat systems and dan i see you with the hand up you i just wanted just to say um you'll be happy to know actually that the directors of final fantasy 12 and the zodiac age are two of the most humblest people they probably were the humblest developers i had met in my time in square they despite you know being directors of a mainline final fantasy game well they were so know. critical of, of themselves after 12 you know because they were talking about they were saying how development uh they weren't pleased with everything that happened development and all that stuff and it's like this is still like a pretty i mean it, it was uh it, there's a lot of ingenuity. There's yeah, a lot of ingenuity involved. Like they really took a huge leap there, and and like the, they basically combined the plot of Final, like a mainline Final Fantasy and Star Wars, which is no small feat. <laughs> and then Zodiac Age now has come out, and it's like, like I feel like this is like finally the vision and all the criticism they they gave themselves over twelve. They finally like in their eyes, I hope they like found the redemption. That they found it's like you know Zack Snyder getting to remake Justice League for like what he actually his real vision. So it's like I yeah I I I know what you're talking about with the the team like the director and I like I just I hope that he finally gives himself that much deserved pat on the back. <laughs> yeah, they um, I mean it's that saying right, an artist work is never done. Right. So it's like you'll always look the you know probably look back and be like oh you know we wish we did it this way. Maybe, you know, just some of the processes, the developments, like the boring stuff um, wasn't very efficient or what have you, you know, I guess 12 is, 12 development is well documented, be troublesome from back then. But yeah, they were just, I think, yeah, they were just really, really nice people. And they were always super grateful for all the work or any, any work we did for the games, like, you know, regardless of the fact that it's our job and we have to. But you know what I mean? They were just so happy. And then, like, what was really unusual is that sometimes, especially once a game comes out, because, especially in Square, because they, they have so many games to come out, as soon as one's out, most of the time you have to move on to something else just because, you know, that's your job and there's so many stuff coming out. But um, the team was very much, usually when you want something to, like, let's say like an asset to help promote something on the game, whether, you know, I used to ask some of the artists for some unique artwork just to use on social media, you know, say thank you for the fans and all that kind of stuff. Um, but every now and then we would just get um, an email from, from the team, from the 12 team. And they'd be like, you know, thank you for all your work. You know, you know, if you want to use, you know, and they would give us like a new bit of uh, some of the assets, some of the art assets you would see on, on like on, the Final Fantasy Twitter or the Facebook page or Instagram, you know, they would just send it and be like, you know, be very humble and be like, thank you for your work. You, you know, they're telling me, we're like, this is really cool. Like, oh my God, this is amazing artwork. And it's like, yeah, and they were always so helpful. Um, so yeah, they were they were very lovely people. That's, that's basically what I wanted to say in a very that's roundabout awesome. way. <laughs> and kind of following up on that, actually, um, so obviously you're you're on the team for a lot of these releases like like Danny mentioned. Um so I guess my question is like when you're promoting these games and stuff, do you really get to experience like do you play through them? Like do you get to really experience them? And if you do, which which one was your favorite? Like which game that you were part of the team was your most enjoyable like game gaming experience? To to play, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it, it varies. It really varies because as a community manager, and you find this with another companies as well, that in an ideal world, you will see the game throughout its entire development process because, you know, in order for you to talk about it, you need to know everything there is about it. So most of the time you will already know all the story or the the bits and bobs, you know, because you're going to have to like capture content either for yeah, true. For whatever use, right? So you, you'll see it in stages. So a lot of the time, um, by the time the game comes out, you've already played it like three or four times by the time the final version is out. Um, and sometimes, you know, one, these are long-ass games, so you don't always have the time as well. In your free time, just to be able to play through again. And sometimes you don't want to, or, you know, you, you have to play something else or what have you. And it's like, um, but for me, I always tried to play every game that I worked on from beginning to end. Again, because it's so long, that kind of stopped after after a while. Um, but I did make an effort to play as much as I could. I Final Fantasy fifteen actually, I only played, I played when it came out at launch from beginning to end. And that was actually the first time I finished it. From beginning to end, I've seen it staged and in pieces, but that was the first time. That was I, you know, I loved it, it despite spending years um, looking right. at it and knowing everything about it. I still really, really loved it. In fact, actually, when before before Type Zero came out, because obviously it came out with Episode Dust Sky, um, before it came out, like every company kind of has what what they do is basically like kickoff meetings um for their products right where you get all your marketing leads all your different sales teams everybody's going to work on it right and you get them all into a room and you brief them on the game like this is the next project this is what it's about so you can figure out what you're going to do in your whatever your discipline is right and for final fantasy 15 the um the team were so hands-on that for that kick, I think this might have been the first it, at the time. Anyway, I I was still relatively green in um in the company, but um that like the um, Hajime Tabata came over for it to talk to all the teams and to basically tell everyone about the game, which apparently at the time was really unusual, and I think it still might even be unusual because you know it's the game for the game director to take time out of dev to go halfway across the world spend a week you know when things are really getting busy it's, it's a big ask right mm -hmm. um but he was like nope i get it i need to tell i need to, you know i basically need to convince these people this game is going to be great so they'll put all the work into it you know if we kind of talked about before and as part of that remember he i've known let's put it this way i've known the entire story of final fantasy 15 long before it came out so when I was playing it, even though it's the first time I played from the end, I already knew what was going to happen and everything, but I still loved it. But to answer your question more directly, the game, and it's also one in my top 10 of all time, my favorite game that I played after work on it was Neo Automata. Um, and that game is incredible. I've got nothing, like I said, it's in my top 10 of all time. And that was a bit of an unusual game because to work on because the team were very very secretive about the story they told us just enough for us to know what we needed to know 
but mm-hmm. so many of the things that were in that story. I, I don't know if you guys have played it. Yeah, I, I bought it. Yeah, so I bought it, and it's it's next on my playthrough. Okay, in that case, <laughs> yes, you should do that for sure. And I won't yeah. say anything further, but the way the story goes is like. Yeah, they basically the team just didn't want any leaks. They didn't want any leaks, yeah. so the easiest way to mitigate leaks is just don't tell anyone. <laughs> you know, simple as that. So, um, I'd seen the game in certain stages. You know, obviously, like at any game, you do preview stages where you know you get um, press and whatnot to and influencers and content creators to play to talk about the game. Um, but when I played it, when it came out, I, I had no idea on how what actually had the story, especially the latter half. Like the beginning, the first two thirds, third or so, yeah, I knew pretty pretty well, I think. But yeah, so when I went into that, not only is it a fantastic game in its own right, regardless of the story, but that was like one of the very, one of the few games I worked on at Square where I went in with absolutely no idea what was gonna happen. And yeah. Yeah, Did it you, uh, is a fantastic experience, and it's also uh, any Xbox player watching it right now. Um, it's on Game Pass, so no excuse. Download it. Yeah, no excuse. You, uh, Gotta play it. It's the, so good. Did you do the multiple uh, playthroughs for the multiple endings? Yeah, yeah. You you so, you have to. You really have to. It's so, yeah. You mentioned all right. So you mentioned that's top ten. Like as as someone who is literally a part of the culture, and like you said, you you see these games go through development. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm going to assume that you have a, a love of, of gaming from your childhood, everything like that. Uh, if, if you're a millennial, it's uh, you know, of course. So you kind of mentioned near near Automata's is top ten. Thank you, by the way, for uh, solving that crisis that I've had with a couple people on the pronunciation of it, because um, that's been a debate raging. Um, so, because uh, I still have like a buddy who calls it near uh, near Automata, and I'm just like. Ugh. But, uh, um, so, but yeah, so you mentioned that's top 10. I would love to know some, like, f- from your childhood, your, your adult life, professional career, some of your favorite games of all time. Ooh, okay. So, top five is quite easy, I think. Um, so number one is Final Fantasy VII. Yes. Um, number... <laughs> Oh, do I do this in order? Anyway, okay, yeah, whatever, order it. Doesn't, doesn't um, have to be in order. So, Final Fantasy VII, um, Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Persona 4, Rock Band 3. Yay! Um, oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> and then, yeah, Neo Automata. Um, ooh, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Um, oh, God. This is the thing. Like, whenever I think on the spot, I'm like, oh, yeah, what, what like, actually when, when are get, they? <laughs> yeah. It's like, for me, top three got it easy, get done. And yeah. then, like, you know, five, I can, I can get you a top five. And then after that, it's like, okay. Now I, I feel like everything I say is, like, solidified. And <laughs> just exactly. like, yeah, it's, it's on the record. I, about I, I, it. I, I'm <laughs> chiseling it in stone as you say it. There's no going back now. I feel, like, I feel like if I can do a top ten easy if I don't have to put them in order. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. But if it's ordered, it's like then you really gotta think like, oh, we'll do it. Cause like, yeah, it's just better than that one. I, I love <laughs> yeah. Dragon's. I love Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma is always in the top ten, but where it lies in the top ten might change from like year know. to year. You know, it's you know sometimes yeah. I like something else. Have you ever played the first? Did you play the first Nier? Yes. 
the yes, first year I thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. The story, um, and like, you, you, I'm not oh, gonna spoil man, it or anything, but you know, as you play, the more you play it, the more you're just like, am I doing the right thing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it is so good. It is so good. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, actually, let me let me take a step back. Everything except the gameplay is so good. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, okay. the gameplay the is. Year. Yeah, the gameplay is ab- is average. If you're being generous, but then they fix that with the automata, which, which oh is, yeah, so that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you just if you plug away at the original near, um, for the story, for the music, for the characters, for the voice acting, then it's like it is an unpow- It is an exceptional experience. But unfortunately, the gameplay is what you do the most. So yeah. luckily, what, there's a remake coming though, so that's fine. Oh, <laughs> Sorted. Okay. Yeah, you can either wait for the remake, or uh, I suggest to people who who don't like to just drudge through gameplay that they're not going to enjoy. Just watch a let's play of somebody, True. Uh, uh, somebody drudging through it themselves. You know, somebody who does like a speed run or something, you still kind of get, you know, kind of like a movie length feature of a, of a, of a really good game. Yeah. Actually there's, there's an interesting story with, um, with the near games, the, um, um, Yoko Taro, the director and creator, I suppose you call him. He, uh, we used to joke, um, in, um, in, uh, for, for the lead up to Neo Automata, because the original Nier came out very, very closely to Final Fantasy Thirteen, and Neo Automata came out very, very close to Final Fantasy Fifteen. So he he always used to joke like, "I'm cursed." The, the Final <laughs> Fantasy games they're always they're always shadowed. There's always a bigger, there's always a better game in front of mine. Is what he always <laughs> used to say. And it's like, "Mate, your game is great." And it's like, "No." How can I compete? Look at this. And you like you like point to pictures like knock this that we had used to have like in the office and stuff like look how pretty he is. Look, <laughs> look how pretty. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like look how good this game is. And like and like, mate, your game is good too. And he was like, Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. I, I can never I could never tell with Yogita when he was like just joking. Like, he's always half joking, but also half serious. And it's like <laughs> lovely again, lovely man though. Lovely guy. Yeah. So Ultimata so, was 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 fantastic and got so much praise. It turns yeah. out, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have I have buddies who legit have, you know, a, a whole room full of uh, like you know the action figures. And, oh god, I got and, my shelf up here. If you could see some of it, yeah, <laughs> and the po- and posters and, and and books and all that stuff. Uh, so I, I have to ask because one day I'll find someone who enjoys classic PS One RPGs. <laughs> have you ever played the Suikoden series? I was going to say number two is actually on my top ten. Oh man! All right, we're best friends now. Well, yeah, okay. That's one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> best friends. <laughs> Suikoden two. We actually one day we went to I was like seven or eight. And we were in like uh, Toys R Us in Hawaii, and I happened to see it and the cover art just looks so cool because you, you see all the people and on the back it's like get 108 people it's like dude you can have 108 people in your party here it's just like <laughs> awesome and we and we bought it and played it and fell in love with it and then we got you know so we got in like the original and like to this day like i gotta say top three final fantasy or final fantasy 7 so we could in two and breath of fire three if you've ever played the breath of fire series yep, yep. i have indeed yep um love three three is my favorite in the series in breath of fire um uh yep best friend status yep. <laughs> best and, friend status and, 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 yeah, and we fangirled over anime before recording so you know <laughs> the, the, there should be a um 
a chemistry bar like in sims or something <laughs> yeah we should be doing that speaking gibberish i should put a limit breaker bar you guys is limit breakers all the way up guys. <laughs> it's it's funny because like a lot of a lot of like in my like top 10 games like final fantasy i lump as like probably want just one category because my top 10 would oh, be yeah. filled with a lot of final fantasy final so fantasy, I, right? like yeah it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy 7 slash Final Fantasy would be like number one. Um, but then like, you know, I just I, I, I love games like Resident Evil 4 has to be like one of the best games of all time. Uh, it's so corny, but it's so good. And then, you know, you have like Gears of War is great. Um, Dragon's Dogma. Uh, just, you know, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Like there's just so many like games yeah, that aren't. One. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it. it it's because I play Call of Duty Warzone, and one of the tracks on Call of Duty Warzone is um, "I Ran" by was it the Eagles or or something, mm, uh, and or a flock of seagulls or something. Um, and whenever that comes on, it just reminds me of like middle school playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City, knowing that I wasn't allowed to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we just want to appreciate the, the greatest quality games of all time, you can't even say that list without mentioning. The legendary Katamari Dabashi. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's uh, such a nonsensical game, dude. I, that's why it makes it so good. I know. It's just like you just like. I remember one time I was like grounded. And I was supposed to like be doing chores, and I was like, I just like had it for free or something like the demo disc. And next thing I was like, well, how can I procrastinate so I don't have to do what I'm supposed to? And like three hours later, I'm on the same level, <laughs> picking up stuff in a ball. And I, I'd always throw people to be like, clearing up in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know I like I troll my friends like, dude, you guys have to. It's a masterpiece. It's like the greatest. And then <laughs> they play. It's like they're just like, dude, I'm just rolling around in a ball. It's like exactly. That's right. You know what game? You, you know what game I would give like a whole lot of money to play again is Time Splitters three or two. Oh, I can't remember. Do you uh, remember three. Time Splitters? Yeah, three was yeah. the good one, right? Three was Future Perfect with a time. With, they all got time travel. I'm gonna yeah. say like <laughs> no, but that, that was the one for PS2, right? Time Splitters three. Yeah, they, we, um, they both were Time Splitters. No way, all three of them were. Were they? I think time Splitters uh, one was like a launch time, a close to launch title, I think. That game, I've had so many. Oh, and Turok. Turok oh. was another one. <laughs> all these games are just so good. I used to, we, me and my friends used to get together on playing N64. One of us would be a raptor with a crossbow, and the other ones would be humans, and we would play Hunt the Raptor. Oh, yeah, as long as no one is the bloody monkey in Tiny Slayers. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Like, yeah, allow that guy, just like that person. Like. <laughs> I think it's great no. that Rock Band 3 was in your top. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. Me and my family would actually play it, and it was great just to have, uh, just to see mom. My my mom would sing <laughs> "Bulls on Parade," <laughs> amazing, <laughs> which was great. Dad was on bass, um, and my brother Andrew was on drums. I'd play the guitar, and uh, we played it so much that we actually invested in uh, putting a smoke machine in our living room. Oh, with lights. Way, so good! Uh, it was so fun, man. Uh, yeah, you used to upload video. videos. Yeah, you used to upload yeah. those videos like Facebook and stuff back in the day, man. <laughs> just playing Bulls on Parade. I played it so much that I don't even need to look at the screen. I'm just like going. <laughs> all over the place. If 
you knew Danny's um, family, you know, you you'd appreciate even more just how charismatic their family is, and just like how <laughs> how fun, like how like many million, like thousands of people probably would pay to like be in an arena watch them play. Right. <laughs> it was great, man. And then of course you said number one, Final Fantasy Seven. I one hundred percent on board with you on that one. Final Fantasy Seven is is man. Oh my God, there's a poster back there. Um, so when they announced final fantasy 7 remake like it was uh I, I bring this up on the show a lot i promise i, <laughs> I, won't, I won't share the video he, again i don't know listen listen he just wants, wants to be a meme so bad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's gonna be a meme if i just share it on every podcast but uh <laughs> um yeah no man i did a re- like i did a reaction of it um or at least my wife uh picked up the phone and just filmed me i didn't know she was going to film me i was just so excited that they announced final fantasy 7 remake i, I called my mom <laughs> like <laughs> i just called her and i was and i called everybody on my phone's list that, that you know that i could and it, and it was just it was just one of the one of the moments in final fantasy in my life in square in square enix history and uh <laughs> um yeah and it is just this this monumentous moment um and i was you know you're you were on the team during this time this is 2015 uh e3 2015 and it was i mean there were reaction videos blowing up i don't think there was anybody like in the fandom i I can't imagine anybody in the fandom thinking like you know any negative thoughts this was a, a completely positive event um and yeah i mean as i said i was hyped for it i know you now learning that final fantasy 7 is your favorite game I can imagine that you were also just extremely excited. Um, how long before the announcement did you know this was in the works? And then also, uh, you know, just like your your experience during this time. Uh, yeah, let me think. Uh, it's a while ago. I, I couldn't tell you exact timelines. If I'm going to be honest. I don't really remember that much detail. Um, but what I do remember is... Um, it might have been my first E3, maybe my second, 2015. No, it would have been my first. It would have been my first time. Uh, oh and actually, God. it <laughs> is, yeah. And the thing is, actually, we look back in hindsight now, that was the last PlayStation press conference in E3 as well, since afterwards they started doing, they pulled out was, and then they do yeah, the state of play cool. stuff now. So, yeah. And, of course, you know, with COVID, yeah. this last year, it's all different, but... Um, so yeah, it's what a what a one to be a part of, right? You know, because not only do we have seven remake, but it's like everybody's wet dream with you know Shenmue three, and oh yeah, the five um, <laughs> and Last Guardian among ev- everything else that they showed. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of now, the thing is, ooh, I this this was obviously a very very closely guarded secret. And outside uh, the seven remake announcement, I should say, with a very guarded, close, very closely guarded secret, um, I I knew it was happening, but when it was revealed at the press conference, was the first time I saw it. I didn't. I hadn't seen nothing of it. I only knew it existed. Um, and even then, I'm not even sure if I was supposed to know. So, because um, yeah, because it was. Because it was that thing, right? It was like, it had to be a secret. If it got out, then, you know, it would ruin the whole 
surprise, you know, the whole kind of announced. Um, but it was, yeah, because that was also the year, that's right, because that was also the year Square Enix did their first, or at least first in a very long time, a the follow-up press conference. Com- their own yeah. press conference, right? <laughs> in which yeah. case there was so much else to, to be announced. Um, so I remember being in in a meeting where they were talking about that, you know, obviously because we had to know about the press conference ahead of time and announce plans and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, what a what a crazy, crazy time. Because yeah, that was, yeah, I mean, let, let's just remember now. That was also the first time gameplay for Kingdom Hearts 3 was shown. Oh my so, God. So you know what I mean? It wasn't just, there was like the, so much more. Neo Automata was announced, a game that no one ever thought would ever exist. Um, World of Final Fantasy was announced. Star Ocean Jeez, was announced. That was all in the same year, 2015. Yeah, and we had Deus Ex, Mankind Divided. Um, sorry, we Square Enix had Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, um, and Tokyo RPG Factory was just announced with the the time Project Setsuna, um, and you know a bunch of bunch of other stuff. You know, continuing yeah, stuff for Hitman. So it was like there was so much going on. It was like. Yeah, yeah no and I, they needed to have their follow-up conference. That's uh, I remember leading up to it when they announced uh, that they were going to be doing their own p- uh, press conference. I was like, oh, my God. I, I even created – I had, like, a little YouTube channel going on beforehand, and I created this video of, like, um, Final Fantasy VII Remake, question marks all over. And, like, and I was just like, guys, listen, uh, we got all of this stuff kind of leading up to it, uh, and then the fact that they're doing their own press conference makes me have this strong feeling that we're going to see – finally a final fantasy 7 remake and it was funny because that's what i was calling it before they even called it final fantasy 7 remake i was calling it final fantasy 7 remake um and and i was just talking about it uh and then they surprised the surprise was at playstation and i i was just i, I was completely taken off guard because i was expecting it if it was at all going to be at the square enix press conference and then man oh god when that moment happened and the in the the audience just erupted. Like it was probably, I would say it's probably the biggest pop at E3. I'm not sure. It, it could be the biggest pop at E3. Yeah, you know uh, what? You were in the auditorium for that. I, I was very, very lucky to be there. Yeah, and I, I tell you that that experience will be one I take to my grave. I don't think I will ever experience anything like it. Like I was super hyped. You know what I mean? It's like this is this is exactly what I've been waiting for and I wanted for years um and even in and in our room even i was feeling like god guys chill out it was that kind of it was so much that i was like okay this is <laughs> this is a bit much even for me and i'm like and i want to be the one of the guys like screaming and i'll tell you what it was because i'm not sure if it really comes across in the in the stream but um it was it was quite funny because we announced sorry square enix announced world of final fantasy before Right before it, yeah, so right before. because there was the, <laughs> I felt really bad because obviously people got like the, uh, an inkling when they told Final Fantasy, like is it Final Fantasy VII remake? That's all anybody wanted to know about, not all anybody wanted yeah. to hear. So it was like, is a new Final Fantasy game? And it was like, is it? Is it? And then it's like, not only is it not that, but it's like this chibi art style, which I think looks dope. But, yeah, yeah, it's like these little cutesy. Yeah, it looks <laughs> really cool. I think I think we're the fantastic, incredible style. But it's like you know when you see that 
and then you it's not what you wanted. Everyone's like, oh man. Man, they've been like losing us a bunch of times. And yeah. then with the uh, like I think it was earlier that year. I think I think it was earlier that year when they when they announced Final Fantasy VII coming to PS4. Oh uh, yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> it was just the uh, just the classic version coming yep. over or the Steam version. Yeah. Yeah. Would be really would actually be really great though is if uh if they announced like a game where they're like it's a new Final Fantasy where it's like grim and bloody. It's like rated M for content. 16, baby. Yeah, and it's like but it's all chibi art. <laughs> but it's all chibi. <laughs> It's like the darkest, most melodramatic game ever, but it's the, it's chibi animation. So Dan, your the the fan reaction to that man? How did how would <laughs> then you had to go? I guess you had to go back to work and, and I had to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had to go to work, man. You had to go to work and respond to this. Well, this the, yeah, this is this is the thing, right? Because on the one hand, like the reaction was just so so crazy. Like I talked about, like how everyone's kind of like uh, after with a Final Fantasy site. That's not fair. This is cool. Get hyped for this. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but then what I didn't take like after that because obviously the the remake announced was immediately after. So if you remember, they had the the live stream graphic in the background and people. Would, I'll tell you, this this might not have come across from the stream, but because where I was sat, I was sat like in the I guess in the store, not the stores, in the the circle seats I guess of the auditorium, so I could see down into the stores, and. I could visibly see people like when the lights came up. Some people were like you could hear people like murmuring, like "What the fuck is this?" Don't oh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear. Um, oh, sorry, but what... no, okay, it's like what the hell is this? And you're like, okay, whatever. And then this trailer starts. Obviously, big dramatic music, and everyone's just like, "What? What are we watching?" And then slowly but surely. As more things, more recognizable things come in, you know, you've got like, you see Midgard, like, is this Midgard? It's not, no, this isn't Midgard, I remember. But then you see a little bit more, and when you're talking, and you see people, funnily enough, it starts from the front and goes back, and people are like, actually, literally getting out of their seats, like, yeah. nah, nah. <laughs> and then a bit more, like, no way, nah. This was all happening. It was like a Mexican wave. Every longer the trailer went on, more and more people were standing up. And cheering, they're like, "Oh, it is, it is," and they're like, "No, no, shut up, sit back down. It's not that." And then, of course, when Cloud, when you see the, when you see, sorry, when you see Barrett's arm, everyone's like, and then yeah. obviously, then Cloud comes in. You see the Buster Sword, and everyone, everyone's on the floor, and it's like, like the whole thing was kind of caved in. And then, you know, you see the logo, and it says remake, and then absolutely pandemonium, and it was so yeah. loud, like and. You just see, yeah, get to see everybody's like, nah, yes, oh, please, <laughs> literally like that. And you, I could see it happening right in front of me. It was absolutely nuts. Um, but the thing is, the, the timing was obviously before Final Fantasy 15 had come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we had now toward a Final Fantasy. So, really, sometimes, you know, Square Enix is not the only company to do this, like announce games early. Um, but sometimes you, and then whenever you announce a game, and sometimes you just, what we say, like you go dark and you just don't respond and you just let, especially when it's something positive, you just let the community just kind of just like, just yeah. absorb the hype and just go with it, run with it. You don't necessarily have to do anything, especially when you've got nothing to talk about, nothing to show, right? Because all you can really say is, yes, it exists now. And you can, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Which is good enough anyway. So sometimes yeah. you can 
lean into that and join in on the hype. Um, but it was a bit of a difficult situation, not difficult, Ch- maybe challenging situation for, for, for me because obviously, you know, Final Fantasy 15 was still our number one priority. And then yeah. obviously World of Final Fantasy as well. Um, yeah. And it just wouldn't, it makes absolutely no business sense for a company to put, to put all their energy into massive, like multiple big titles that are not coming out at the same time, right? You want to focus on what's coming first. And again, like Kingdom Hearts was also revealed, right? Yeah. So with Sora's new outfit, the gameplay, um, uh, in the un- unfortunately untitled Kingdom of Corona from uh, Tangled. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's like, oh, Tangled, oh, you know, gameplay for Kingdom Hearts. So it's like, so, okay, so we've got all these. So naturally, the strategy like any company you focus on what's first and then you move there and that's why even when kingdom hearts 3 was coming out and i had left the company there was still no real anything about final fantasy remake because why would you why would you divert attention away from your current really really big and really exciting product your game (laughs) um so yeah so i didn't really have that much to do on 7 remake um there were occasionally a couple of times where some we had a few updates, you know, screenshots here and there, just a little bit of information. But yeah, there was yeah, my my focus was a lot with mostly on five hundred fifteen and a little bit on King Heart three. So I didn't really do yeah. much on seven. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, like man, in, in a and I guess in a in a weird kind of way. Uh, I mean, besides f- seven remake, kind of just taking over E three, like it, it, uh, yeah. the buzz afterwards was just basically remake and, and best E three like ever. You kind of don't, you kind of don't think about it on this end of the things, uh, on this side of the uh, the spectrum. But uh, yeah, I guess World of Final Fantasy, uh, Kingdom Hearts three, all of these, all of these huge announcements were, in a way, a little overshadowed. But it also, it also brought attention to them in a in a, in a cool way too. So like, if you go to, if you're looking up Final Fantasy seven remake E three, uh, I you know it's probably going to be attached with these like, oh hey look, this is this, there's this cutesy style uh final fantasy game coming out there's oh my god kingdom hearts 3 is obviously that was such an incredible year i it was just an overload of the senses and i i loved it man i loved every it was like christmas yeah Um, i don't think whatever i i can't see it ever happening again it's kind of like uh, do you remember do you remember seeing the videos of um when nintendo announced uh twilight princess legend of the twilight princess and the crowd going nuts and miyamoto coming out with the um uh, uh, yes, sword. it's yes, like yes. it's those kind of things those kind of events and those reactions same with seven remake they are once in a lifetime things yeah like that's I why can't... e3 needs to stay around man i love e3 <laughs> <laughs> i think the only thing that would like elicit that type of response again is like the announcement of half-life 3 i think uh, that's like or alien they can just have a three event in Portal Three, Half Life Three, and just yeah. left. Well, I would say Left for Dead Three, but the, I guess they kind of have their spiritual sequel with uh, Back for Blood. But yeah, or or an HD PS4 remake of Parappa the Rapper. Yep. There's the biggest pop at E3. Parappa <laughs> the Rapper. <laughs> yeah, it, oh, it just dwarfs Final Fantasy <laughs> Seven remake. <laughs> <laughs> to um to touch on Kick. what you said earlier about uh 
like trailers, like not being able to put something, a trailer out if you don't really have much to show. Um, if I remember correctly, the Elder Scrolls 6 like announcement trailer, I think was just like a camera panning on some mountains and then it said Elder Scrolls 6. And I think yeah. that's all I needed to get hyped for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sapphire yeah. I mean, Raven says Final Fantasy VI remake would do it for me, and honestly, dude, oh my god, yes. I think that's the one out of all of the games. Actually, I, I think that is the one that deserves it and needs it the most. Think, it really does. It I think really objectively, does. Final Fantasy VI is probably like all in all, object, objectively, like the best Final Fantasy, just in terms of like how it progressed, like the the series, and just like the whole concept of like Kefka winning, you know, like the floating, you know, destroying the world. So like in, in remake. Graphics. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, and so much of that went into seven, which is, I mean, in my opinion, my favorite Final fantasy, but like six is just like so amazing. And like you're saying, Danny, like, could you imagine like that setting? Could you imagine the scene where Kefka destroys the world, like moving the statues oh in like in a, in, a, in a remake, like, there's and then so amazing moments there's so many like uh it's, it's such great story the opera house the movie. opera house would be amazing oh yeah oh god uh 100 and then like um i would say that you could take the style and this is really what i expected them to do with with seven um you know you take remakes or i'm sorry you take the story the original story and then like w when you're doing it with six um i get what they you know they achieved with seven remake um and you know they wanted to kind of you know open it up but i think with six you re they they really should um kind of just retell the story just faithfully retell the story yeah. um you can adjust some of the characters like there there are some weak in a way there's some kind of weak characters in the, in there and you can give them more of a um more of a prominent backstory and stuff like that but other than that like just retell that story yeah, I agree. Because the thing is with Six is that it's, it's one of its greatest assets is also its greatest weakness. Or two, actually, I'd say. Um, the huge cast, you know, with the idea of it being designed that there is no singular protagonist and then all protagonists of, you know, they're overarching in their own story. But what you find in reality is that kind of dilutes it rather than makes it something compelling that you can latch onto and follow all the way through. And same with with Kafka. He's he's a classic. Um, oh, what's the term? Um, like a, a villain, a villain of. I forget what the what the actual term is, but he's he's a villain who, if you actually look at him, he's pretty shallow, and yeah, there's, there's really yeah. not much to him. But he gives so much urgency and agency he's a he's an instrument of chaos you know he's like he's like the he's joker to batman exactly. right? yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. well i mean he even looks at it. yeah exactly so it's like <laughs> but you know what i mean so it's like while what he does is great narratively it's like who he is is not um mm -hmm. and i i played six long after like it was one of the last of the mainline games i played i played after after i played 13 after 13 came out because um, six actually never came out on the on the SNES in Europe. Mm. Came out on the PS One, but with limited release. Right. Um, so it's hard to well, less less e less easy to get hold of, I suppose. Um, so I played it after you know all the other games, and while I still appreciate what it is and what it does, 
and it's still don't get me wrong i love it it's still fantastic probably my actually probably my sixth favorite that's not <laughs> not a coincidence uh, that is a coincidence sorry um it um it, it does struggle with pacing as well and what it feels like is very much set piece followed by set piece followed by set piece it's like the opera house when i played it was like it was a great moment but the lead up to it's like i don't really understand why i'm here and the yeah. writing because of the time is like you know it's this improvement of writing and all that kind yeah. of stuff and as dan as you mentioned the character backstories aren't necessarily fully fleshed out there so i think yeah remaking it and keeping as much of it as possible you know to the source material unlike seven remake which is like doing its own thing mm -hmm. i think yeah it's, it's the right choice for so, that game. so you don't want a kefka redemption arc in the remake. <laughs> hey. uh, I mean, Some Kefka, just want the to whole, watch the world burn. Yeah, it's kind of the same. It, it's, <laughs> wow. Here's here's more uh, uh, Joker Kefka equivalencies. Like, with Joker, you, you never really know what, like, drove him to where he is. Like, the, the most common theory is, like, well, he they, was, like, yeah, he was a soldier things. who got, like, traumatized or something. But, like, with Kefka, it's kind of the same concept where he was basically what Terra was where he was like a, a yeah, magitech yeah. knight and, and the you know the process yeah. like just drove him absolutely crazy um they so, can explore that a lot more yeah exactly yeah i would love to see more of that like it'd be really cool <laughs> if they did like um a crisis core kind yeah. of concept oh for like God. six yeah. where they kind of go into like the war and kafka and all that stuff like that'd be awesome i'm also like they really could totally partial do a multimedia to... approach they i'm also yeah, very yeah. partial to kafka because i have we have the same birthday so i, I am not... <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing when you we compare him to the joker but the joker is only half interesting right the thing that really makes him the joker is a duality with batman and likewise batman is interesting because of the joker whereas in six there's no Batman in That's a good point. six, yeah. right? Because the cast is so big. There's no singular. I mean, you kind of, they kind of want it to be Terra for Terra, a bit, yeah. but she's not yeah. got enough time really to delve oh into that. Well, and also... Uh, I still think about your uh, your joke, man. I still think about it. Like somebody oh, said, God. oh, I know Terra as Tina. Tina. And... Uh, <laughs> oh, me? No, was it Reed or was it you that said... Uh, I played the original six, and her name is Tina, not Tara, uh, yeah. in the one I played. <laughs> and they said when the crown's put on it, or her head, reads. Oh yeah, that was me. Would yeah. you call that a Tina Turner? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so man, then... no, I'm sorry, I repeated it. Don't <laughs> <laughs> <Boo. Kobe. Kobe. laughs> be. One, one of these days, my career is going to launch. <laughs> All right, off, <laughs> one of, off one of these jokes. Come on. Like... If that isn't the mastery of wordplay, I don't know what is. You are uh, you're getting booed <laughs> off the stage by chat. <laughs> yeah, right. Dan's gonna Dan's gonna ask me for a script for a game here one of these days now. Any day now. He's gonna be like, hey, just follow up on that Tina Turner joke. <laughs> oh man. Um <laughs> that's great. So so Final Fantasy VII uh, remake was announced and you had this incredible hype around it. Um and that I'm sure was you, like you said, you're going to take that moment to the grave with you. Um, uh, and you were at E3. Have you had any other like memories or experiences that you would like to share um, at during your time at E3 or at Square Enix, or even with uh, WB Games, which you, which you're uh, working at now? Uh, you mean generally, or like to do with the events? Or uh, yeah, I mean like just uh, in your career. Okay. Um... 
Oh, God, there's so many. There's so many. It's um, I've been I've been very, very fortunate. Um, I mean, my. Yeah, there's just so many. The um, I'll always be thankful for my time at Square Enix and I loved it all. all. And, you know, I got <laughs> um, from the first time from when I worked, you know, Final Fantasy Type Zero HD um, is um, with my first Final Fantasy title that I worked on. Um, I remember seeing, completing that game and seeing my name in the credits and calling my mum and she's giving me a very kind of like, oh, is that is that a good thing then, having your, your name in there? And like, yes, mum. Yes, this this means a lot to me. And like, oh, good. Good for you. <laughs> like, um, kind of conversation. Like, okay, that's nice. Um, oh, man. And, you know, I... Yeah, and like, obviously working on multiple main lines with one new main line with Final Fantasy Fifteen and everything to do with that. You know, it uncovered Final Fantasy Fifteen. I got to meet um, Hinobu Takaguchi and Yoshitaku Amano. Oh, wow. And I still, one of my life regrets is not getting an autograph or a selfie oh. with him, which, so I, I totally messed up there. Um, oh, but, you know, I still, strange, I, still, <laughs> yeah, I, know. I still got to do it. I still got to, um, got to meet them. And again, yeah. lovely people. Um, I thought they would be a bit like, uh, what's going on? Who are you? But they were just, yeah, very, very nice. I thought, I, Yoshitaku Mano, for some reason, I particularly thought he might have been a bit stuffy. But no, he was just a regular nice man. Um, awesome. <laughs> uh, Hinobu Sakaguchi was a bit of, I was a lot more kind of like a, had a little bit more of a party atmosphere kind of going around about him. He was just like, yeah, well, you know, he, he always does, like, I know he's lives in Hawaii right now. He's always like doing this and all his photos, <laughs> just jumping in. Just like, oh, he's, yeah, he's hanging loose, man. Yeah, he's like, yeah, all right. Hit, hit Go with for them lasers. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was obviously great. You know, meeting lots of lots of my heroes at, at square was fantastic um you know i got to meet you know tetsuya nomura i got to meet um um a lot of the people who worked on final fantasy 7 i got to meet so many people so lucky and yeah it's just i'm trying to think of this is the thing when i get put on the spot I'm like i gotta think of maybe putting out maybe one or two kind of really special yeah. Special moments, I mean, those actually. Are, those are some really incredible moments, too. I'll tell actually, you, actually, what I what I will do, which I, because of the format we're in on the live stream, I'll show you. Let me just give a second. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you one thing. I'll show you one thing that not many people will know or see. Oh. So, when I first joined Square, uh, it was on the launch week, actually, of Theater Rhythm, Final Fantasy, Curtain Call. Um, so most of the team were like really busy with the launch and I was just, you know, and it was also the time when the, the team, were, we were moving office. So everything was like, everyone was packing up stuff. So I'm like, don't really know what I'm supposed to do here. Um, <laughs> especially cause it's like my first community manager role. So I was just like, okay, I'll just, but you know, I just made myself busy and whatnot. Um, and I was really, really lucky, fortunate enough to go to Tokyo game show that year. Um, which was the next week, which was my second week on the job. I was sent to um, to TGS, and I was like, "This is this is nuts," um, but really, really cool. Um, and this is also when we had like some meetings with, because this is also when Episode Dust Guy was being announced. So we had some meetings and talking to the. This is where I first met the Final Fantasy Fifteen Dev team. Um, 
and you know they were running through a bunch of stuff and um we went to <laughs> with some of the, the publicity team and um a man called yusuke naora who is the one of the lead art directors on final not only final fantasy he's basically worked on all your favorite games he worked on chrono trigger final fantasy 6 through 10 um and a bunch of other stuff and so he's done a lot of stuff and he's again really lovely man there's a there's a theme going with the with the developers <laughs> um and so we we all went out um drinking one night um and the the two women on the publicity team who was basically our direct contacts with um with the studios in Square Enix because obviously there's a language barrier so we have to go through certain people because they translate basically all our emails and you know we're on calls what we're saying all that kind of stuff and they asked me because I was obviously new and they had no idea who I was and whatnot they would say oh why did you join Square Enix and I basically I told them how basically like my my history with the franchise with the Final Fantasy franchise in particular but Square Enix in general so I told them how Final Fantasy VII really changed my life and it changed how I saw video games as a medium. And, you know, but basically I just fanboyed over Final Fantasy games. And Yusuke Naoa, who was with us, was, um, was just, he was like kind of on my left and the, the women were on my right. And he was just a quietly listening. I'm not, because I was speaking, obviously speaking English, I'm not sure how much he understood what I was saying, but they were translating bits of what I was saying. And he was there just drinking away, which in Japan is really weird because they have like small tumbler glasses. When you drink shots, you don't just drink shots. They pour shots into glasses of water and drink that. And I'm like, this is weird. Why not just do the shot? Anyway, so <laughs> they're, in, they're in this regular bar. We're in this regular bar. Um, sorry, a bar that they regularly go to. Apparently, at the time, I don't think it exists anymore, sadly, um, but apparently a lot of like famous voice actors and actors go there. Um, no one went, no one came in when we were there, so, so I didn't get to meet anyone famous, sadly. Um, but you know what, if you know what Japanese bars are like, they're very small, they're like only a couple of seats, There's, they're, very, they're not necessarily exclusive, anyone can go in, but they're not like our pubs or bars in, in the West where, you know, they're like, where you get like hundreds of people in. So I see him reach over. He he gets the bar the bartender over, and he he says something to him, obviously in Japanese. I have no idea what he was saying at the time. Um, and the bartender says, "Give him a thumbs up," and he comes up and gives him just a bit of piece of paper, and then he just starts doodling. And I I, I was still in the middle, like still this in the corner of my eye, but I was still just gushing about Final Fantasy because at the time I was a little bit tipsy, and right now I'm sober, but. When I'm tipsy, just imagine me talking, but talking twice as fast and twice as long. So, <laughs> so that's how I was going off. I was telling all these things on how much I loved the game. And then um, Yusuke Noa taps me on the shoulder and he goes, I want you to have this. And let me show you. It's, it's a one-of-a-kind sketch of, <clears throat> hang on, let me get reflection. There you go, of Cloud. That is awesome. Well, that's from, awesome. Yeah, from the art director of, you know, basically all my favorite games. Wow. And yeah, he was just like, and you know, he was just like, yo, thank you for being a fan and thank you for, for, you know, wanting to join the company and helping us out. And wow. yeah, so that's, and he, as a side note, there's a fun fact he had a hobby as well as writing people's names in, in um, kanji. So he also, on, this is, I think this might be the place. This might be the bar that we went to. 
Rather, nice. uh, I'm gonna and this, yeah, and then you wrote my name for me as well on the wow. on the, the coasters. And then you guys proceeded to get hammered. Oh yeah, we did karaoke, <laughs> and we had to go. At, obviously, we had meetings early, early meetings next day, and I was like, I am not feeling great. Actually, that was it. Maybe if I, and then yeah, because that was it. Because at the tea, that, oh yeah, another funny story. Because in a meeting, like it was a dark room because they had projection screen and they were showing us stuff on Final Fantasy Fifteen. Because it was again, it was a Final Fantasy Fifteen team and we were going through stuff. Um, and I was just like, I'm gonna fall asleep. This is all really interesting. I love being here. But I'm like, oh yeah, I I I don't normally get ham- hangovers, but I was just like. I don't feel like I slept in two days because I was probably a bit jet lagged still. And I didn't think about what I was wearing. So I just put through on a t-shirt. And at the time it was a t-shirt. It was like um like a QWERTY, you know, mashup t-shirt. It was um Final Fantasy, it was the Buster Sword in the um the the Master Sword kind of what do you call them? The thing where you stab in the stone that you stab in the ground. So it was like a Legend of Zelda in Final Fantasy Seven mashup. And yes. I didn't I didn't think about what I was wearing, so I just put it on. And we went to our meeting. And halfway through this this meeting, we're having a break. I go off to grab a glass of water. And I just noticed a bunch of people were just kind of like crowding around me and just looking at me. And I, at first I was just like, oh, it's just because I'm the new guy. I'm from from the UK team or from the European team. So they don't see us often. So it's like, whatever. Um, and, you know, like, and Japanese people are very reserved anyway. So... But then it just clocked. Then I clocked. I was like, they were pointing at me. So I was like, why are they pointing at me? And I was, then it clocked. Like, oh no, they're pointing at my t-shirt because I was wearing a Final Fantasy VII t-shirt to a Final Fantasy XV meeting. And I was just like, uh oh, <laughs> did I just do a really, really big taboo? Am I gonna get like, am I gonna get in trouble for this? This is what you're gonna be known for for the yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, and I was like, oh no, this is not what I need right now. <laughs> and then one one of the staff members then comes out to me. Tried his best in broken English, but he basically just kind of, he just he said, comes up to me and says, "Excuse me, like T-shirt," and I was like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> they're, they're pointing at it because they like it. It's okay. <laughs> and I was I was like, "Oh yeah, Final Fantasy VII and and Legend of Zelda," and it was like, and he just like just give me thumbs up, and then everyone else was like just just nodding and was like thumbs up. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was like. <laughs> Watch the bullet <laughs> again. Uh, again, with the um, kind of referencing back to Liam Mulvey, he had a similar story um, when he was on the podcast. He talked about it, uh, how he was at this. Um, I guess it was like script reading or or something, sitting at a, this meeting, and um, he was telling like before it started, like really quietly. He was like, "Oh my god, like I'm just I'm freaking out because I love Final Fantasy so much. Like like you were just kind of nerding out about it." And then, uh, and he's like, okay. And then the meeting starts and he said, and the first thing the, the, you know, the person I was talking to does and says, Hey, we have a really big final fantasy fan here. And he's just <laughs> geeking out. And he's just like, it's like, this is what I'm going to be known for. Yeah. for, the, for the... <laughs> <laughs> that guy. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It's so cool that, you know, like, like you said, the developers are big fans of their own work and obviously, you know, video games in general zelda obviously is a huge inspiration so um that's awesome that's a really cool story um yeah so we're gonna we're gonna uh take a fan question anybody have a fan question that you guys yes. would like to ask dan before we uh 
So, yeah, Vin, Vinny is the uh, he's Inferno in the chat. So if you, I'm, I'm sure he's already introduced himself, but <laughs> if you see it, Inferno, that is Vinny McGovern. Um, so Vinny's taking care of the chat. Go ahead, uh, Vinny. So uh, Morgana Sapphire Raven wants to know what your absolute favorite game is. That is, that's, um, it's, it's actually Final Fantasy VII, original, okay. original. I do love the remake, um, but OG Final Fantasy VII is, um, is my favorite of all so, time. So, I'm going to piggyback off that. What's your favorite party? Like, who, who's the party you like to use the most for Seven? Uh, Cloud, Tifa, and Yuffie. Yuffie, um, I, I actually that's... just beat, I just played through it again and, and just beat it before I started um, 12 uh, Zodiac. But man, um, I really liked. I try to mix it up. So uh, my as a kid, I did a Yuffie Red, or a Tifa Red. I'm sorry, and then uh, I decided to mix it up and did Yuffie Vincent on my last one. I was like, oh, this is fun. But I still never, <laughs> I still didn't grasp like how broken Yuffie was. And then this time, <laughs> I decided I was just gonna go mainline story. And I was gonna, all right, I'm gonna use Tifa Barrett. I'm just gonna use like the most streamlined party there is. But like doing like the crash galnica and stuff like that uh i was trying to morph you know uh source farm where you you morph all the mobs there and you get sources and i it finally clicked on me that yuffie's was the only character whose uh, ultimate weapon could use morph and hit for full strength and so and and then i got doom of the living and used on a boss i'm like this is the most broken character in this, this is ridiculous game. i told you <laughs> yeah reed doesn't like to listen to me in chat but I, <laughs> this is this is the thing. Well, I, I the, never. The I've thing been... is with um with seven though is because of the material system, you really can use whoever you want. But mm, yeah, if exactly. you're gonna go if you're gonna go full on end game, max stats, then realistically every hit you're gonna do is nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine damage, right? Mm -hmm. So you want whatever limit break does the most hits. Mm -hmm. right. That's gonna be doing the most. So that's that's why I use those three. But. To be honest, I think I think the first. Let me think. And after I, I think actually they might have been my first party that I used, so I might have just stuck, just you know, nostalgia's sake. I did. I do sometimes swap out Yuffie for Sid. Um, yeah. But Tifa, Tifa is always in there because Tifa's my favorite. Yep. Yeah. That's that's, that's my ship. That's, that's, that's my ship. My ship. Is, is, oh god! Here we go. That's my ship. Uh, Sid's high wind. Um, Barrett's. Uh, Anger Max, Anger Max uh, Yuffie's Doom of the Living, and Omni Slash and Knights of the Round. Those are going to be your highest hitting ones because of uh, how many times you hit. Because there's no break damage limit. So, um, but the 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 thing about Knights of the Round is they actually ignore defense with every hit. So that's why they're better off earlier. But Yuffie and Barrett and everything. If you put if you master like nine all materials and throw them all on Barrett's missing score he'll hit as hard as Yuffie does with her conformer um, because his he's scaled off of how much AP you have yeah. equipped onto the weapon. Um, okay, it's so... The, the subtle things that I love about it, like, because and, and, obviously, like, you know, once you get to end game, every, everyone's going to hit for, you know, 9999. So it's like, it's, you know, from like the level like 30 to like 70 range where you can really appreciate like all the differences between characters because that's like, that's like the period where like a broken character can kind of shine through before they're kind of like, uh, you know, like s s squished down to yeah, the level yeah, yeah. cap kind of like the damage cap kind of thing. But 
yeah, I always I always find it really interesting, like debating like the parties people use. Yeah, like, let's be real. Like most people, most people are gonna do whoever knights around my mind, knights around my mind, knights around my mind. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. Right, even though you're gonna be in every battle for like twenty hours. Yo, yeah, well, three three times speed helps with that. When the, in it the sure new does. <laughs> um, well, you could you could actually put a uh, mime counter, like seven times on Yuffie and have Yuffie use Doom of the Living and if she gets hit the next if she, the next time she gets hit she's going to use Doom of the Living nine times <laughs> in a row yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's usually how I beat Emerald without underwater materia um we have any more questions Vinny yes we do we have one from Zombie Nugs who is your favorite Final Fantasy male and female character uh, female character is Tifa, mm-hmm. easily oh, yeah. without question. Um, she she's my favorite character in the whole game anyway. She's I think she she is the the heart and soul of that game. She's, she's the rock. Well, I believe it could be any Final Fantasy. Oh, a any mixture, Final. Well, actually, mixture... to be fair, oh, to be fair, it's then it's still it's still Tifa. <laughs> okay, still Tifa. I <laughs> um, followed by Yuna, I reckon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And my favorite character. Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, okay, that okay. doesn't have to be lead. I don't think. But yeah, it's just any. There was uh, no specificity, but yeah, it could probably be any Final Fantasy male character. Okay, I got it. So, Protag. Okay, my my favorite any character is Zell. I just, yes. I just oh, love hey. Zell. I just love Zell. Zell. Yeah, he's There's just so much for Zell, man. Like, yeah. You know, he's, he's you know. the best. He is the best Dan, boy. Just, Dan, just probably got my, Dan probably got my hot dog gift reference in the <laughs> game. What if we had a hot dog gift or we had a hot, we had dog. hot dog giveaway? <laughs> <laughs> we, we There's no way secret. we can explain this without contest, but we're going to leave it right there. <laughs> we, we did no a secret context, Santa. Like, Shrek was there. It was a yeah, good time. Yeah, we did a secret Santa, and so each of us would pick gifts, and everyone else had to guess what character it was for. And yeah, uh, so, go. so one of my secret Santa gifts was a hot dog, and no one got it. I was like, "It's sell," because like at the beginning of Final Fantasy VIII, he's just like he's so mad that they're sold out of hot dogs, and like <laughs> the game, he peppers in comments like, "Man, I wish I was eating one of those hot dogs like right now." <laughs> <laughs> it just loves his frankfurters. Nutritious and delicious. They're actually right. probably not very nutritious. Probably um, not. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's he's always been my favorite ever since like a kid. Now that I think about it, he's because he's just. He's just so reliable and yeah. just fun. Yeah. Um, but in terms of pro tag, it would be either Squall or Noctis uh, for different reasons, actually. Um, Noctis, I love. I Out of the four bros, actually Prompto is my favorite, but I love Noctis as a protagonist because he is the only the only protagonist in Final Fantasy history who is not, who, let me, okay, make sure I get this right. So his his whole arc, like usually in Final Fantasy, actually, in fact, I think all of the games is in some way, the story is about defying fate. Obviously some games more than others, 7 Remake and 13 in particular, are, you know, all about that. <laughs> Whereas 15 is the opposite. It's about accepting fate. And I love Noctis because he's just, he's, he's a lot more, despite being a prince or a king, 
you know, he's the most relatable because he's just forced, like many of us in our lives, we're forced into positions we don't want to be in and we don't want to do, you know, or what have you. And it's like, you just want to be just like a, a boring regular life and just want to do boring regular things like play video games with your friends or fishing. Some reason the Japanese love fishing. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a point when your life we have to grow up and you have to, you know, accept responsibility, pay your taxes, um, you know, get a job, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, that's why I really love Banner, that he's so stupid and he's really stupid and goofy. Yeah. But he's also, but he's also the kind of guy who's like who hates to show it. And I think, I think, I think a lot of millennials who are into video games can relate to that because video games have not been cool when we were kids. You know, it was never something that you would really brag about. It's different now because of the internet and you can find your communities and fandoms. But back then, you know, it's like, you know, you kind of hide that. A lot of us, anyway, I imagine I did, hit that part away from yourself. You know, it's like this is and not this is that guy who fanboys over Assassin's Creed and you know and at the same time just like just wants to just chill and just say bad jokes um <laughs> so yeah so that's why I love him as a protagonist because he's so much too different I guess so what what Dan's saying is that if they do a live action Final Fantasy 15 movie I should play Noctis <laughs> fishing I... yeah fishing yeah. bad jokes uh <laughs> you're not so so let me ask you this. You have Dan. the hair this, for it, Reed. I feel right? like you can do it, man. This is a like this is a follow up. Uh, so you, something you mentioned your t- your top two favorite protagonists. So all right, let's say hypothetically we had a tier list in front of us. Oh, all right. God. There's there's S tier, A tier, B tier, C tier, <laughs> D tier. Okay, where on that tier, if you're measuring a uh, 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 protagonist, which tier would you put Squall in? I put an S. No, okay, well, you, gotta, you, gotta, <laughs> uh, okay, you know what, Dan? All right, all right we're is, taking yeah, Dan's we're go. balancing it out, all right? We're yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm, so we did a protagonist tier list, and we put Squall in C tier. They just put. because there, some of the right, it's not so much Squall's fault. Some of the writing and scripting of his character is kind of like a little groany. Uh, I, love that, yeah. I love Final Fantasy VIII, but like... There's one scene in particular I can never get over where um, you it's you're leaving Timber after like the uh, the broad when Cipher crashes the broadcast and all that and gets taken away and stuff and they think he's dead and and Squall's like thinking about like Cipher being dead and stuff he's like someone's like oh Cipher was like a nice guy or something and Squall just like stands up and like does one of those like arm slices to the side and he's like I won't be talked about in the past tense yeah thank you you did it at the exact same time I did he was like I won't be talked about in the past tense I was like alright come on man and for that alone they put him in C so alright so yeah so here's what we're gonna do if Dan out of of sheer respect since he's been fanboying with us all day his opinion (laughs) matters so I I I am going to invoke uh, a revote on Squall. Wait, and, hold and on, we, and we can move him. Hold on, my I'll trust re-vote. in him is going to be based off of this. Where do you put Vaughn? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? How low does it go? Most of these. Yeah, D <laughs> goes down to D. I put him. I put him in D. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That's okay, so Squall's yeah, S tier. Squall's S tier. The thing is, though, the thing is about Van, though, it's not that he's a bad character. It's just, it's just that he's, he's completely. The ride. Yeah, he's inconsequential. If yeah, he wasn't exactly. there, it wouldn't matter. The, the really. game wouldn't be any different if he wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, yeah he's. 
he's like a tauntaun. Like Star Wars, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy twelve is like is so heavily influenced by Star Wars. Like Balthier yeah. and Han Solo, uh, you know, like all these, but like yeah, he's basically just like a tauntaun. Or he's like uh, Jar Jar I wouldn't Bain. go that far. He's, what he's he is, Jar Jar he's, yeah. he is, he's a New Hope Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, that's how they, yeah. Would, because think about it, because he's one along for the ride, Luke, just like Luke. But um, is also he's he's purely there as like a vessel for exposition. You, you put yourself in him because you know the world of evil is already set up. It all has its politics, it all has its law, and you get thrown in there. You're like, what the fuck is going on, right? So he's there to be like the the doe-eyed boy like luke skywalker when he's like what's a jedi and he's like who is in Vance? like who are these guys why should i be right. doing this so then balthia is just like you're doing this because of this 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 hop to it i just like <laughs> you know? to, i just like the, the picture frame as chewbacca are you saying we are vaughn yeah yeah we're yeah, supposed exactly. to be so yeah. we're d tier all right, that hurt. <laughs> that hurt. Well, I mean, I mean, narratively speaking, would, would, would only you, narratively yeah. speaking. Yeah, would you put your? I mean, you can't use material or magic or anything like that. Come on, Vinny. If I was in final, <laughs> I feel like I feel like if, if I was if, in one of their worlds, I would adapt very quickly. Vinny, if I'm all a, about. I've been waiting for something like that to happen. I've been waiting a, for this moment. If there's a turn-based firefighter RPG, yeah, you'd be S tier. To be fair though, Vaughn has a rockin' six pack, and I don't. Dude, so, I, so you. <laughs> one of my gifts. So for the Secret Santa, one of my gifts was gonna be a can of spray paint because in the original Final Fantasy twelve, his his, his oh, yeah, act yeah, yeah. looks like it's like spray painted <laughs> on. So, like, <laughs> so it's like I imagine like you know people wake up in the morning and they put in their hair, hair gel. Like the first thing he does in the morning, like Donald Trump's spray tan, is he wakes up first thing in the morning and sprays on his six pack. Yeah. <laughs> so we have another question, which is from Morgana Sapphire Raven. And she wants to know what is your favorite uh, moment in Final Fantasy VII. Hmm. That's a good one. Hmm. Everybody's varies on this one, is it? Yeah. There's so many good moments in Final Fantasy VII. This is a yeah. This is a really good question. Yeah, I mean, there's like. There's a moment for every, like, you know I, I think mean? for, like, while Dan's thinking, I'll, I'll buy him some time. So my most recent playthrough is, you know, I always think about the diamond weapon scene and, like, how Rufus gets, hit, you know, blown up and all that stuff. But oh, yeah, every, you're poking like, in the toe, and it's just like, yeah, I'll yeah. fight you. <laughs> like every time I see that scene, like, that whole series of scenes, it I feel like every time I watch it, it, it's different. Like, it's never how I remember it kind of thing. So having just done it again, uh, like, the scene with Sapphire Weapon, man, I, like, it's, it's I feel like it's a very clear homage to Godzilla, because when he's coming out of the water, it's the same thing where he has, like, the scales and, like, his back is slightly protruded, through, like, and everything like that. And just that scene is so badass. And then Diamond Weapon, just getting blasted after he fires off his volley and stuff like, every, like I watched, it, I was like, I swear, it, as a kid, it was like different every time. But mm-hmm. Sapphire Weapon getting his head blown off is just man. That's pretty, like that's a pretty awesome. Shin, yeah, Shinra, Shinra is. Uh, it's so hard to like label them because throughout the story, like the barrier around Northern Crater, you know, like they not not only does uh, uh, Sister A blow a hole, you know, blow off Sapphire Weapon's head, blow a hole through Diamond Weapon and kill him, but 
in the same blast destroys the barrier around northern crater so it's it you literally are partnering with shinra yeah i mean you become buddy buddy basically reno and rude you just every time you fight it's like siblings you like scrap a little and they're just like we're done for today like walk away and it's the whole thing with kate said as well right and we've because he's he's an employee Mm. i think i think my favorite would be it's it's something under the that is a really badass moment to be fair um I kind of tend to like my favorite moments are like kind of smaller bits because everyone like there's obviously the huge temple moments like you know obviously what happens to Aerith, mm-hmm. um, falling into the live stream, which I think when you're discovering that that is actually that's, that is a really big I won't I won't say ah uh, you know what yeah what I'll give you a couple so one of them is when Cloud and Tifa fall into the live stream. Because not only do you find out their true history, but it's also, you know, I like I like the narrative symbolism and the journey of piecing yourself back together, right? Because I think everyone goes through moments in their lives where they, like, you know, feel like sometimes giving up, right? Whether it be from, one, from extremes or, you know, just from a bad day's work and you're just like, you know, I, why do I bother? And it's like, going through that with someone and being able to pick yourself up, I think is really powerful. Um, there's the counterbalance to that. The bit in, um, when you go to Wu-Tai and you're like, when you see um, Reno and he's like, man, I'm off duty, leave me alone. And you're like, oh, okay. So it's like, you know, just like, they're like regular guys. Like, so it's like, yeah. we, we don't go after you because it's personal. We just do it because of our jobs, because we have to. But like, I'm on holiday. I don't give a I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like that's that's like probably one of the most human parts in Final Fantasy Seven. Um, and then of course then you team up when when um to get to rescue Elena and you yeah, Don so. Don Corneo gang. I just love how he like just stomps his hands off off the cliff. He 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 Mufasa's him. Yeah. <laughs> he gets he yeah. gets Mufasa. Um. So and then my... there's th- oh, I was oh, going to say that there's also um. Um, I just saw in the chat. Obviously, my name, my namesake is in the game, so that's obviously a big favorite. Um, uh, and again, very special moment between, I guess, father and son. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I really, I also really like just before you go to the northern crater, and um, you know, the high wind, you get the jetpacks and you go shooting off, and it started disc three um, when everybody goes off because this this in part as well as the um when you go to attack just away um in when it's in midgar when you do the power the parachute jump because that's the moment where up until that point it's been quite clear lines on like good and bad well not easy you know it's easier to distinguish between the good and the bad you know shin with bad what they do is bad blah 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 and it's like and you know the things that they touch upon a little bit more in the remake, you know, when Barrett's like saying like, oh, these Shinra employees, they're complicit in all of this, right? And it's like, and then it's when Kate says and Reeve are, you know, pleading with the team, like, look, you have to come and save the people of Midgar. When really it's like, well, no, we don't. We don't have to. Um, and all that. So it's like that decision to be that moment where they're like, no, we're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. That real proper hero moment. Um, and then the, the bit afterwards, when everyone leaves the high wind, is like, like why, why come back? 
because it's a suicide mission as far as they're concerned, right? Yeah. Um, why why come back when you could spend it with with your with your loved ones and your family? You know, Barrett, especially with Marlene, you know, it's like why waste that, that time when you're going to just go off and die? Um, and that camaraderie, like that's when the team really feels like the most team because they don't always feel like they're a close knit team, especially when some of them. You know, steal when they steal from each other, they backstab <laughs> each other, they beat each other up. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. and then the bit when the crew as well, when Sid's, you know, holding on to the um, the controls, he's like, I can't control the highway. And all the crew comes back and they help him out. He's like, What the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, No, boss, we can't leave you. He's like, You got the stupid dumbass shits. And he's like, <laughs> But he's like, But thank you. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> but we all go off together. You know what I mean? It's like that. Yeah, yeah that's probably yeah. Those those are my favorite moments. That uh, the Red Thirteen and and Seta, that's always going to be my favorite. Uh, just that that moment. Um, my two favorites. They're both dramatic, but they're dramatically different. Uh, you know, with Nanaki and Seto, it's just you know, uh, that was it was it was touching. It was heartfelt. And then the moment when uh, Tifa wakes up in uh. In, I think it was Junin. She oh, wakes up. Yep. And yeah, yeah. and the shutters are down and and T, uh, Barrett's like it's been like two weeks, or or some or something like that. And Tifa was just like, did did we stop it? And he opens up the shutters and you just see like it's you see meteor, like yeah. on its way. And it had like a very Armageddon feeling. And in the world and, that music gets like so yeah, ominous after that too. Exactly, like everything changes. The, the 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 when you're in the world map, the the sky is 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 auburn, like ambery, and and the 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 music just kind of sounds like like we've been defeated type of music. It's just very like solemn and and like that was that was dramatic because you see meteor, the shutters open. Barrett doesn't even say any words. He's like, "There's no words I can use to describe the situation that we're in." I'm just going to show you. And he opens the shutters and the meteor's coming and it's kind of like Sephiroth won. You know, you have that feeling of like the bad guy won. So I thought that was like a really uh, dramatic moment in the story. Mine's always going to go uh, probably to the iconic scene just because, you know, when, when playing it as a kid at like seven years old. Um, yeah, everyone, rem- I'll never forget seeing that for the first time. Do you, you already know where ingrained? I'm going with it. Uh, the- oh, yeah. Sephiroth walking through the fire like that's that's just going to be the whole Nibelheim incident and as I got older the entire Nibelheim incident became my became my favorite moment I think um but just the imagery of Sephiroth turning around and walking through the fire is probably the coolest moment I you know in like video games for me I just I love it obviously there's so many as you guys touched on so many like really dramatic and emotional moments and like even i love how i love how dan um focused on even the they're not small moments but they're they're not moments that are like cg uh cut scenes or anything like that they're just they're really impactful moments like like sid getting help from the the the, the whole crew reuniting on the highway and getting help uh coming together as a team god that there's so many really good moments in seven um, um but i guess uh, i guess if obviously you're the favorite Sephiroth turn around, walking through the fire. Just... Yeah, and uh, speaking of iconic moments, uh, Dan, you know how I mentioned uh, I try to change our uh, or like my my picture when I can't do video based on like inside jokes and moments and stuff like that. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and set the the one that I, I usually use. 
Speaking of oh uh, god, yeah, there you go. <laughs> speaking of iconic moments, spoiler, I guess for anybody who yeah. hasn't played seven, I mean, who who hasn't? <laughs> we oh, we <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you look happy. You look happy. <laughs> or was just surprised? Like I guess. Yeah, surprised. I guess. Yeah, it's it's more wide eyed. So it's it's the moment. I'm I'm. Uh, this is the moment I first feel the tip of the sword touching my back. This is, <laughs> <laughs> like, is like that moment. It's cold. Where it's like, it's yeah, cold. I got a, I got a bad feeling, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we we need to we need to make that that uh picture of reed's face one of our um twitch emotes oh my god yes <laughs> we got Dude, uh... yeah make it make it like a chat reaction a uh, chat emote <laughs> you know what's so funny is, uh, there's a oh, real sorry. quick uh there's a really funny theory i don't know if you've heard this one dan it, well it's funny in like a really dark way but uh <laughs> the theory is that cloud actually kills Aerith. so the theory is like basically um you know, obviously that's the theory. Off. Like she wasn't dead, and by dropping he, her in the water, yeah, he, she, yeah, he paralyzed her. He like stabbed her through the spine, like paralyzed her, and so she's like paralyzed. And Cloud's like, "Well, you're useless to us now. We just like, <laughs> we can't do anything with you now." Um, but that also, no. that that theory doesn't hold up to scrutiny because if that were true, she wouldn't have sunk uh, because she would have still had air in her lungs. It's yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> what if what if he like what if he like put, got a big rock and put it on top of her just to make, <laughs> just to make sure he's like sorry food on the high wind starting to run kind of low <laughs> to put some extra strong bracelets heavy bracelets yeah. on her he's, he's like, like yeah. look i like you Aerith, but you know me and chief have known each other for a long time and you know i think i'm just gonna try that out see ya <laughs> i'll so be Dan, back your um, your job as a community manager or social media communications, um, you know, you got to sell these games, right? Uh, you got to make them exciting. Uh, so for this next part, we have a little fun game for you. It's uh, this one's going to be a short, short Mad Libs here. Um, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to sell this one. You're going to have to really, you know, <laughs> we're going to give you a synopsis of a final fantasy, but we're going to have you replace certain words within the synopsis. Um, and then, I will have you read back this new synopsis, and uh, you'll you'll have to hype it up as the community manager uh, would do. Um, so, Vinny, since you have created this one, would you go ahead and uh, we can even ask uh, if you'd like. You can you can have chat fill in the blanks as well. They can give you suggestions. Uh, so please participate. Uh, we'll ask you for a word, like such as like a, a person, a verb, you know, things like that. Um, and you know, chat can can uh, kind of chime in as well. So go ahead, Vinny. Okay. Um, I so Daniel, you'll have to look at chat because I'm looking at my notes. I, okay. I, I can't look at both. Before um, we begin, uh, Zombie Nug did have a question. I'm sorry. I do. I want to get this one in there for you, uh, Zombie. This is uh, he says favorite song. Favorite song in Final Fantasy. Yeah, I'm gonna beat this. Ether theme will be my favorite track. But nice. otherwise, oh god! But the end is so. That's that's my that's my go-to because it's. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, and it sums up the character, and it just, it's, to me, one of the most iconic um, tracks in all of Final Fantasy. I mean, but there's, oh, God, yeah, there's, there's so many, right? Um, so, one-Winged Angel. 
Earth's theme. Yeah, I think Earth's I mean, all theme. the classics from Seven alone. It's Genova. Genova yeah. theme is by far my I favorite. I gotta say, the Cosmo phase, Canyon. Phase yeah. three, yeah, phase three of the of Genova Dreamweaver. When oh, it's like it's like it's it's like kind of yeah, it like crescendos at phase three, and it finally gets you the the that you know the classic Genova <laughs> when that hits like and it oh man that is the most hype it, it hit because uh, when it when it first started i was like oh, you're I mean, waiting okay. for it so i see what they're doing there's little subtle nods to genova music going on and like and then phase three hits and you hear the doo -doo 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 -doo, and i was just like <laughs> in the timing as well in the in that yeah yeah so considering good. what's going on what's actually going on in the game and in the battle it's just like yeah it's so good but that's the All thing right, so actually with thing. um yeah i mean gotta give props to the whole seven remake soundtrack though because mm -hmm. doing what they did with the originals and yeah it's just phenomenal work i mean oh, i i had so before it came out i had doubts they would be able to pull it off but they went above and beyond as far as i'm oh it was a, yeah I'm absolutely so good um barrett's hometown song is underrated is what zombie says no i, I do like uh i do uh, like coral 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 that kills people <laughs> Is it Coral or Corel? I thought it said I've always called it Coral. Me too, but it's C-O-R-E-L, right? A? I thought A-L. Is it A-L? I thought it was E-L. Anyway, that's that's unimportant. But So yeah, we'll go back to the to the Mad Libs portion here. You know, zombie. Stay. It is Coral with an E. You can give your suggestions as well. My bad. All right, go ahead, Vinny. All right, so um, that's okay, uh, Dan. We we had Square Enix, and uh, we had. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're always gonna we're always gonna pronounce it. We're always gonna pronounce it like we did as a kid. Like for example, yeah. as a kid, I, I always called her Aries. So yeah, like or, when they or, changed uh, Mako. Yeah, and Mako. Oh yeah, I always uh, to be honest, I, I always say Mako. I said Mako too. When I first heard it in the remake, I was just like, like oh. the shark man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Mako. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So we need a person. So wait a minute. Can what you, can you run, run, run through run through the rules with me again? Okay. Okay. So this is okay. Uh, this is just going to be a synopsis. Uh, it's a really short synopsis of a Final Fantasy game. Oh, so um, I just give I just I just give suggestions for what? Yeah, just give suggestions. And yeah, we're to the replace, So if we ask for a noun, we're going to replace a noun from the synopsis of the game with the noun that you Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. And then you're going to okay. read through it with all the the janky wording put in. And okay. Yeah, the, so the, 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 the more wild the word, the more funny the word, the better. And then yeah. um, okay. also, after you read it, you'll have to tell us what game it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to guess what game it was. Right. Okay. So um, so what's her name? A name with wild uh, Yeah, a, a person. And it doesn't have to be from Final Fantasy. It could be a fan favorite, apparently. Rosie, Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> but yeah, it could be it could be or anything Dwayne you want. Rock Johnson. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, yeah, um Olong Johnson. Yes. Olong Johnson. That's incredible. <laughs> Vinny, are you filling this in? Yes. Okay, good. All right, and now I need a verb. Time to judge Vinny's spelling. Uh, oh, he's, not, he's not in our group, though. Or not in um, Fisting. Or to fist. <laughs> what? what? No, that's perfect. It's like punching. It's like punching. Yeah, exactly. Right. 
Um, okay, so now I need an event. Final. <laughs> um, Armageddon. All right, and now I need a thing. Oh, actually, oh no, okay, forget it, forget it. I was okay. gonna say, I, I was gonna change my last one, but never mind. You can, you can change it if you like. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay, um, uh, Brexit. Brexit? Brexit. 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 As the event. Let's make it, let's make the, you know, I'll rep my home country. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be the UK, Final Fantasy UK's synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> now I it's need... really tragic. This Brexit. <laughs> Now I need a thing. Uh, an onion. <laughs> the humble onion. <laughs> it's like, if I, it's like, it's finally like, yeah, it's my time to shine. <laughs> need a verb ending in ing. Uh, hmm. Launching. Yep, and then I need an adjective. Gracefully. Mm. Right, I'm so coming up with my own story with my words in my head now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to change gracefully to graceful because that'll oh, fit yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, evenly. So okay, so now I'm going to send this to you, Daniel. Okay, I was going to say, you know you know how to send it in um, on Zoom, but I can take it as well. Well, uh, I'd have to... You want me to type it into the chat? All right. All right, you guys talk amongst yourselves while I type this, because it's probably going to take, like, a minute. Oh, you can't just uh, highlight? I, I'm I on think my you phone. wrote it down. I'm on my phone. I said that in the beginning. Oh, oh, I Yeah, that's you. why I can't okay. look at... Uh, chat unless you want me to just send it to you yeah send it to them in the facebook message and then i'll, okay. I'll send it already <laughs> all right so this is going to be a synopsis of a brand new final fantasy game coming out <laughs> that uh <laughs> this is actually a, the remake the this remake a, of the original <laughs> synopsis <laughs> yeah, final fantasy uk <laughs> well yeah it's like oh Kef, man Kef, yeah Kef. i should have i should have done more more british stuff i should have yeah. <laughs> Kafka's Boris Johnson and like Brexit is like the world being destroyed. Yeah, sounds <laughs> about like right. The, the climactic final <laughs> chapter is Brexit. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, Dan, I'm going to send it in the Zoom meeting um, and you'll see it. Did you say Olin Johnson? Like O L A N? Uh, oh. I don't actually know how you spell it. But... Yeah, Olong oh, Johnson. Oh. It's it's O L O N G. It's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, I spelled it wrong, but you guys get it. Oh yeah, yeah. I got it. <laughs> I got it. So do I, I read it out loud now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Once we share it, and you gotta put like the marketing flair on it, like you're trying to hype it up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait, so I got um, I gotta sell this afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Do we have it shared? I don't I don't see it. Do we have a website? I was asking Danny if he uh, had oh. shared the the screen. Oh up. yeah, I said it. Yeah, sent he it shared it to me. Oh, oh, okay. I, I didn't know if we were doing it on the screen. Okie dokie. So, the story follows Olong Johnson, a highborn cadet who finds himself fisting into the middle of an intricate Brexit known as the Onion, where two opposing noble factions are launching the throne of the kingdom. 
As the story progresses, Olong Johnson and his allies discover a graceful plot behind the behind the wall. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> graceful plot behind yeah, the wall. Yeah. Graceful, you know, always... <laughs> graceful fisting. Graceful <laughs> fisting. So, yeah, so just... to have, you gotta say also you gotta say what what game this is. You gotta guess. Oh. Okay. Let's see. Which Final Fantasy. <laughs> well, the cadet automatically makes you think eight, but let's see. Okay, so it's cadet finds himself in the middle of a thing. No, it's a thing <laughs> in the middle of it's middle of he's in the middle of Brexit, um, a faction of Brexit known as the Onion, with two opposing noble factions. Noble factions, launching the th- and a throne of. A- yeah, I think this is a good choice too, Vinny, for for a title because it is a, it's, it's kind of a tricky one because we haven't even discussed it. No, I don't believe so. Oh no, God, I'm not sure. Yeah, because I think into the, the the middle of an intricate battle. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he fists, he's fisting all the way right and right all the way, up <laughs> the middle. All the way to the top. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best verb we've ever gotten yeah, on this. <laughs> it's right up there with squatting. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's you're, gonna, you're just God. you're just gonna squat there. <laughs> um, okay, so there's a war and there's two king one king. I actually I actually don't know. I gotta think. Okay, let's see. Can, can we give him can we give him one hint? Because I gotta Yeah, yeah, we hint. can give him a hint. We'll give him uh it's Yeah, we'll give you a lifeline. Yeah, it's, it's not, not mainline. Main it's not numbered. It's not, not numbered. numbered. Oh not okay, numbered. okay, okay. Tactics. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. It. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well done, Dan. And tactics. You gotta. You gotta tactically fist. <laughs> well, there is the monk class. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the monk class. You know, you, 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 you punch. You know, you're, you're fighting with your fists. You know, you're just going around fisting everything inside. <laughs> That's what monks do. Um, yeah. For the, for the good of the onion. Yeah. <laughs> or so onion knight. <laughs> Well, we're obviously. Uh, I'm. I'm good to keep talking as long as you want to keep talking, Dan. Because, because obviously, I'm. Ha- I mean, this is awesome to have you on the show. I really enjoyed hearing your stories. Um, so from this point on, it's up to your discretion. I don't want to, you know, hold you too much longer than 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 you were anticipating. But um, if you don't mind, I would love to know a little bit about um, what you're up to now. Um, you know, we talked a lot about Square Enix uh, and your time at Square Enix. Um, obviously, you can't talk too much about <laughs> what you're doing now obviously but uh you know you're you're now at uh wb games as the social media communications uh international social media and co- communication manager um yeah so if you care to tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and and uh yeah we'll close it out yeah um i'd love to i am yeah working on um as i mentioned like at the beginning um helping our local territories and our offices with their social media um activities for basically yeah all the Warner Bros games titles so um if you would all like to pre-order Back for Blood, Lego Star Wars of Skywalker Saga, Gotham Knights, Suicide Squads, Kill the Justice League and Hogwarts Legacy that would that would really help me out so yeah, yeah. um all of those games I'm like I, I'm extremely excited for uh I'm a, I'm yeah, a huge wow. fan of Arkham Knight um yeah so so I'm really excited for the next Rocksteady game um obviously and then also you know, uh, we we mentioned even earlier we were talking about Valve releasing their their threes 
Um, and we were like, well, Left 4 Dead 3 is probably not going to happen, but Back 4 Blood is basically the spiritual successor of uh, Left 4 Dead. And man, I can't wait to get my hands on that one. That's going to be so hey, It's so good. It is so good. I spent a lot of time playing Left 4 Dead 1 and 2. And yeah, Back 4 Blood is, is so much fun. I take it you you weren't we did we ran um a closed alpha back in December, um yeah which I that was played. only on Steam if I if I'm correct right like oh yeah yeah oh, yeah yeah, yeah. I, unfortunately I don't have a computer fa- like powerful enough to do those kind of things so um yeah once it hits uh once it hits consoles though man I'll I'll be jumping on uh if it, if we do get a, a beta for for Black, back for blood I will definitely be jumping on the beta or just buying it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just really excited. Me and my friends are going to love that. Uh, we, we played a lot of Left 4 Dead 2. Um, so, yeah, man, so many exciting things coming from uh, from WB Games. Yeah, awesome. yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's funny, actually, because after leaving leaving Square, um, <laughs> I, this is one of the most weird cosmic ironies. The first game I worked on was Hitman 2. And obviously, IO used to belong to Square. They were owned by Square. So it's like I had to leave the company to work on on that that franchise. Um and yeah, it's just there's so many cool things we got in the pipeline at WB. Uh so many well, I mean all of our games look so good and I can't wait for people to be able to play them. Back for Blood especially because that's so much fun. So much fun. <laughs> and that's yeah, that's coming that's coming out. Um well, before before we know it, I say that I'm like, oh, it's, that means like all oh, my work is gonna get it's gonna get very very busy. Yeah, yeah, really cool, man. Well, well, Dan, I really really appreciate you coming on the show today. It's been a lot of fun. Um, if anything, man, it has just been a blast to you know talk about Final Fantasy with you and um, fanboy it up. Yeah, yeah, fanboying about it too. That, Actually, if been, if I can go full circle on one thing really fast, uh, so we're taking fan questions. This is my fan question, so. Uh, I've alluded to it. We were kind of fanboying over over anime and stuff uh, before the show started. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. Last thing I'll do. Uh, what is your all-time favorite anime? Kings of the Hill. <laughs> I'm out. I thought he's turning his yeah, around. Just, like, yeah, I'm just, out. Yeah, just, <laughs> Dan Seto has left the call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my connection. I'm, <laughs> I got disconnected. <laughs> Um, Here we all <laughs> just doing the static noise. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Mine's Pokemon. I'm just kidding. SpongeBob's mine, a pretty good anime. Mine, mine is mine is Death Note. Yeah, the thing I you see because I'm I'm not that well versed in anime. I must release the thing is when it comes to TV shows and like films, the kind of things that you know I watch and I'll love but the thing is i have a hard time like remembering things on them and like things i've watched and things that's why like, that's and, why like, there are memes memes yeah, help you remember that's so true. jojo yeah. basically and, like, yeah because in games i could remember everything like i played as a kid but right everything i watched from anime wise you know i guess the hmm, i think you know what my i've not watched it since i was a kid but i remember the first anime i i watched and got into was um you know, back in the day, we had to buy them on VHS because there was no internet and they were never on TV. Um, was a show called an anime called New Dominion Tank Police, which no one remembers, but I loved it and I would pay good money for a re release on that, but I don't think it's available. Oh, um, that's awesome. 
But otherwise, I think if for something that I guess more that people might actually know, <laughs> um, I I probably say something like Full Metal Alchemist, or maybe go, yeah. or maybe Death Note, um, because they you know it's the ones that when when you oh, get awesome. asked of like what should you what if you're not into anime what should you watch first. <laughs> And you know those are like the ones that I always think of first, and I'm like that's, yeah. that's then I may have like more recent favorites, like at the moment, like yeah, I've been watching Jojo back to back, and I love Jojo um got into Haikyuu. Haikyuu's amazing mm-hmm. um uh and you know some more more recent shows, but I think, yeah, like formal alchemist is um probably. The classic that I would like watch again and recommend to everyone. And funny story, actually, this actually comes full circle, actually, back for um, another funny story because I didn't realize this, but in Japan, um, Square Enix published publish anime and manga as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember going into the office, but I can't remember what for. And normally in our offices, the meeting rooms are all named after games or franchises right so in the old in the square and europe office that i used to be in you know we had rooms for the, the were, and then you know they were titled there was the final fantasy meeting room is kingdom hearts life is strange just cause etc and in this meeting in japan i went into a meeting room called the four male alchemist room and it was cool because it had like little like kind of um four male alchemist kind of like icons along the walls you know not anything gearish just kind of subtle like kind of I guess debossed kind of graphics of Alphonse and um, some other things, and I was like, "Why is this called the Format Alchemist Room?" It was like, "Oh yeah, you know," and they were like, "Oh yeah, we we published, we made this," and we were like, "What?" <laughs> I had no idea until then. That's awesome. <laughs> if my favorite anime, like all around, is probably probably the Disastrous Life of Psyche K. Oh my god. Because it's like a self-aware anime that makes fun of other like anime tropes and it explains like, you know, the anime hair and like it, just like all these other things, but it's it's a comedy and it's absolutely hilarious. And I th- if you want to take a break from like all the action and and drama animes, The Disastrous Life of Psyche K is hysterical. So that's you, that's if, definitely a suggestion. If, if you like that, you definitely need to watch Gintama. <laughs> I've never heard of that one. Oh, I have it's, one question. It's, it's like one of the longest running anime ever, if not, oh, if yeah. not the other than One Piece. I have a I have a question that's more uh, a little more of a personal yes question. Um, I personally just want to be in the game industry. That's uh, a, a a goal of mine, a, a dream of mine. Um, it was you know to join the industry to get into E three. Um, but thankfully, that actually opened up to the public, and I was actually able to get in there. Um, by buying tickets and got to do press conferences, which was a dream come true. Uh, I, I got to which one? Which one did you go to? I got to uh, Xbox Fan Fest, uh, nice. E3 2019. And so it was, you know, just like how you said, uh, it was really cool that your first E3 was the announcement of remake. Um, and my dream of going to E3, my first E3 was actually being able to <clears throat> be one of the first that played Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, the actual gameplay demo. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I went. I went all in. Uh, my wife was like, she's like, "This is your dream. Go all in." So I bought the uh, VIP uh, passes, so I got to share the floor with industry 
um, and nice. was third wave, second or third wave in that played Final Fantasy VII Remake. Nice. And that means if you were at the Xbox conference, that means you got to see Keanu Reeves come out on stage, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, uh, so FanFest, um, the, the FanFest members got to sit in like the first, like I think it was like five rows, like the first five rows of the entire um, theater. And we were only like four rows and we sat on the right side. Uh, so like we were sitting on the right side looking at the stage. Oh, that's where he comes out, isn't it? Yeah. So that's where he, he like come. <laughs> I'm like watching the trailer and and like my friend Greg, he's like he like hits me on the shoulder a bunch of times and I'm like, what's up, man? I was looking at the screen and then I look down and there's like Keanu Reeves walking up and it was, I mean he was he, it looks like a, a big dis- distance when you're looking at it on the live stream, but he was like right there. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy who the guy who shouted, um, "You're breathtaking." He was only a a row in front of me to the left. Like he was literally right in front of me when he said, "You're breathtaking." Um, so, so you so can that imagine was... that Keanu Reeves was actually pointing at you when you said, "No, yeah, you're exactly." <laughs> and that, you know, that's that's what I like to think. <laughs> oh man, it was so good. Uh, that whole experience was just an incredible experience. Um, you know, not to go on too long about it. I don't want to bore you with it, I guess. But <laughs> but I, I mean, I got to I got to meet Phil Spencer. I literally met him three times because uh, through FanFest, through our VIP passes, he did an exclusive like um, CEO talk with us. Um, even That's the, cool. I didn't realize he did that. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. The CEO of um, ZeniMax, actually, who sadly passed away, um, he was there. So I actually got to meet him, too, which was now, you know, learning of the news just earlier this week. I was like, man, that's you know, I talked to him, I gave him my business card, <laughs> uh, like all this other stuff. And he's trying to, he, he like even introduced me to his, um, his, one of his team members and like, Oh yeah, please talk to her and, and maybe we'll be in contact, but and it, nothing ever panned out, but that was, that was a really cool moment. And, um, so I got to meet Phil. I got to meet a lot of people, Alana Pierce. I, uh, um, I got to meet Rod Ferguson, uh, the, the guy who was doing gears at the time. Just a really cool experience. And and then also one passes uh won the Bethesda conference as well. So I got to go to Bethesda conference, uh, which was a party, basically. <laughs> that, that, that was just a party, man. Like it was it was crazy. You had the conference and then they had this huge open area and free hot dogs, corn on the cob on the grill and all this other stuff. It was Was Zell there? <laughs> was Zell there? <laughs> no, in spirit. It was, it, in spirit. Yeah, in spirit. <laughs> It was a fantastic time. Um, but I guess to circle back to my question, um, yeah, that was, that was my life goal. The dream was to get to, to get to go to E3, uh, through joining the industry, but I still haven't like given up on the idea of being part of the industry. Uh, so I guess my question to you would be, uh, basically just, you know, do you have any advice for anybody like me who would want to be in this industry? Um, even, uh, you know, like, I never thought I would be making a game, you know what I mean? So when I say I'm want to be part of the game industry, I never considered myself on the development side of things. You're on the publishing. Yeah, exactly. I've, uh, I considered myself in fact, uh, in your role, I just never knew really what the role was called. Um, so yeah. So do you have any advice, any, uh, anything to, to add on to that? Yeah. Um, well, this is, this is, this is probably worth a whole another podcast in itself. Um, yeah, there's there's lot I could there's lots I could talk about. I think instead of waffling on phrases, I think 
the most there's there's a couple of key things there's a couple of things that really i think would really help and some of them it might sound obvious um but you'd be surprised like how many people don't consider these these things um the first one is know what you're getting into because especially especially for social media and community management um it's not as easy as it looks and like with any job in any um discipline i should say it requires it requires a certain level of skill and you will need skilled to do it um that's not to say that the, the thing is it's there's there's the ongoing joke that anyone can do it but and you know that is true i mean i'm living proof i was not trained in either of these disciplines um or in pr which i which what i was before i joined square enix um my i actually studied molecular biology in university so i have a science degree which obviously had nothing to do with what i do except for you know the practical skills of you know of analytics and whatnot they just come with you know a degree in science but so what what i mean is when i say has a it's the joke that anyone can do it it's the joke that you know like whenever a brand posts something on social media it's like oh well done social media intern you know mm-hmm. it's that joke that's like that mean that makes the role seem unskilled when it is highly skilled you can learn those skills on the way but so this is the thing like so when you do when you apply or when you think about going into a role of community management or social media management which are again a lot of people don't realize are two separate disciplines they're two separate roles in games it's often bunched into one because there is some overlap but no more overlap than like social media has with pr or marketing so it's like yeah you not a lot of companies just put them into one so you're effectively doing two people's job um but so it's important to realize yeah that what whichever one you go for or want to specialize in or what have you think just be aware that they are two different things that require two well some crossover are two different skills the important thing is to know what you'll actually be doing in that job you know do some research figure out what that job actually entails does it mean if you're doing social media management for example are you going to be creating assets to be used on social media are you going to be moderating channels you know or something else you're going to be doing other things on other channels you're exploring you what how do you come up with strategy and for that like kind of business ter- terms for like what are your goals how are you going to do it so let's say for example for final fantasy 15 let's say um the strategy was to like the temple was to surpass let's just say something lofty like surpass final fantasy 7 so how do you do that? That is the strategy. Like, how do you get to that? So that's the thing with like your community management or social media. How can you come up with a plan? You know, do you just, it's not just being on Twitter and posting memes all day, although that could be part of your strategy, you know? So, and in community management, are you going to be on Discord? Are you going to be talking to people? Are you going to be going out and recruiting people? You're going to be finding small time like artists to be able to, them you're going to be creating community ambassadors etc etc you know so it's like a lot of people think go when they go into these giant kind of jobs that 
you know, one, like I said, it's like, it's easy. And you just go in there and then you just talk to people all day. But there's, there's a lot more to it and figuring out what that is. And the, the annoying thing is, is that it will be different for every company you apply to. So it's like, look at the job specs, look at what they're actually asking you to do and, you know, figuring out what the job actually is and whether you actually want to do it because, you know, it is not for everybody because there are unfortunate negative downsides, mostly to do with, you know, mental health issues because of the shit that Tox- you have to deal with. Toxicity in the communities. Yeah. Exactly. And all that kind of stuff is like, it's it's sad because you shouldn't have to have thick skin, but it will really help if you had thick skin and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, that's not necessarily part of, I'm going on a tangent now. So yeah, no, know, no, know what the roles are. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the back of that, this is the big one. This is the one that I always tell everyone. Um, apply. Just apply for the job. So many people see the job spec and be like, oh, no, no, I can't do that. But I'm like, but you want to do it. And he's like, uh, and I'm like, so what, what, what are you here for? What are you really, what are you doing? Right? So it's like the way I got into any, all of my jobs, to put my foothold into the games industry was um, a little bit different. It was actually, but it was still just applying. But I discovered it through um, a tweet, actually. It was for a PR agency. And my best friend saw it and she, she knew the person, the person in the in the agency, so she put you know put my name forward and recommended me, and that's how I got in. But really, it was just applying. Square Enix, I just applied. Warner Bros. Games, I just applied. And that's the one thing that people don't do. They can't, and that's the thing. Like, if you don't apply, how are you going to get the job? It sounds dumb, but that's that's it. And attached to that, unfortunately, there is an unfortunate thing that it's it's more complicated than people assume but whenever you see like these job specs there's a lot of um a lot of the time you know they they ask for like three years experience for like yeah. an entry-level role or five years experience for this and the the important thing is just ignore it just ignore that yeah, apply anyway yeah. you have nothing to lose so just apply and the important thing to remember the reason Okay, the reason why it's there is usually because the team, like, you're, you're, the team is probably quite small. A lot of these companies are a lot smaller than people realize. Um, so there's only, like, a couple of people. You've got a game coming out. You don't have the time to train people from scratch. So you just need someone to at least sort of hit the ground running and only train little bits on the way um, because you can't, you, no one has the time to, to train them up. And that's because they don't have headcounts to hire more people, blah, blah, blah. So whatever, it's not just like just to get, you know, rinse people for money, although that probably is for some companies. But the important thing is that that is not the be all end all. And every, whenever I've been involved in hiring people, that is always put, we always put that in, that's always put in there by HR. But the hiring managers never really look at it. Because what it is more than actually stipulating you have to have this amount of experience is it's a filter. Because if you see that and you say, I don't have five years experience, I, you know, I'm not going to apply. What you are signaling to the company and to yourself 
is you can't do the job or you don't believe you can do the job, which I guess is more important. And if you don't believe you can do it, then you're not going to, one, you're probably not going to enjoy it. And two, you're going to struggle and the stress and all that kind of stuff. So you have to have some, you have to have the self-confidence to believe you can do it. And you just look at all you have to do is look, ignore that, look at the job spec, figure out what exactly they're asking and say, can I do this? Yes or no? Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, do it. Then just apply. And if you don't have the experience, go and get it. And when I say go get the experience, that doesn't mean that you have to have that exact job and do that exact job. You don't have to already be a social media manager, social media manager to apply for a social media manager job, even though it says like get five experience. Again, look at what the job's asking of you and find ways to show that you can do that thing. So if, for example, if the social media management job is to manage, um, manage social media accounts, do something where you can do that, whether that be start um, a podcast or a live stream, a fan site, like you, like you already have, like you've got this. Um, I, and I then, be, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be remiss to say that starting this podcast is obviously a step, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's, that's the thing. That's what it should be. And if you didn't have that, then start one. If you were being a community manager, you know, get involved in communities, get involved in like some discords, become a moderator, moderate those channels, set up a fan group, organize stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you know, you're not going to get paid for this. Yes, you know, it may not lead anywhere. But at the same time, if you really want to go the distance, you're going to have to do it in some way, shape or form. And, you know, it could be a side hustle. I say side hustle, you're not gonna, probably not going to be paid for it. But, you know, I mean, so like, you know, you can do it in your free time, your lunch breaks from your regular job. Um, but that's what I mean when it's like you don't have to actually do the job to have that experience. There was, on the Internet, there are so many ways to to show that you can do the job that's been asked for. Like when I joined, when I applied for my role in PR, like I didn't do PR. I kind of knew what it was. I did some research and figured out what the job was doing. But then I just looked at, you know, my current CV. I worked at retail at the time. So it's like, so what's the PR spec? It was an entry-level role. And basically, if I remember correctly, the gist of it was kind of like, you're going to have to communicate to press, you know, influencers and content creators were a thing back then. But, you know, you'll be talking to the press and convincing, you know, convincing them about your game. And I'm like, well, I do that every day because I worked in game retail. And I was, you know, convincing people to buy a game. So it's like, that's obviously not a direct thing with PR, but it's the same skill. You're still talking to people and convincing them why they should buy or cover your game. So it's, it's things like that. And everybody has life experience that you can extrapolate into almost any job. You just have to be able to know how to word it properly and how to sell yourself in that respect. Um, to make it known. And my final bit of advice is start small. You know, if you want to get your foot in the door, you're very unlikely going to be able to walk up to Bethesda's office and be like, hey, give me a job, even if it's an entry level role. It's like, hey, give me a job. It could happen, but you're much more likely and there's much more vast opportunities if you look elsewhere, you know, look at smaller studios, look at indie studios, look at, and like I said, like I started off in PRAT, that is a great place to go. Look at for 
PR agencies, social media agencies, creative agencies, because they will get your foot in the door. Because by nature of agencies, you know, they work with a lot of clients. And if they happen to be in the gaming space, they work with a lot of games publishers. So you'll get to network a lot. You'll get to, you know, see a lot more. And in terms of actual practical working experience, there are two ways to get the fastest experience in the shortest amount of time possible. One is working in an agency um, because of the nature, because you're working with so many different clients and they'll ask you so many different th to do so many different things, you know, within the field that you will be naturally be, it's great because you get to touch and handle so many different things. So talking from my own experience, when I worked in the PR agency, you know, we worked with, actually we worked with Warner Brothers, um, they were one of our clients. So I worked on the UK PR for Arkham City. We worked with 2K. So I did, I worked on Borderlands 2. We worked with THQ back in the day. So I worked on like Saints Row the third. I worked with some indie studios, worked with Sega on um, Sonic All-Stars Racing. You know, so it's like you'll get so much experience on that. Yeah. Um, or in the other one, which is a lot harder and a lot riskier, but is to work in the startup find like a tech startup or something. Um, and that is obviously risky. You could start up time guaranteed to last, but, and you won't have much guidance. You're literally going to have to be learning. You have to be very self-motivated and learning on the go on yourself because everybody's start, you know, in a similar position to you. So you're like, well, what are we doing? We don't know. You just got to figure it out as you go along. But the bonus on that is that there is no faster way to progress up a career ladder than at a startup because you have to. Because one, you have to be pushing off. You have to do the work because otherwise you're going to lose your job and the company's going to go under. But also because you're the only one there, well, as soon as you bring on someone else, you're de facto going to have to move up the ladder. So because you're going to have to start leading that team because you've been there and you've been trained and blah, 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 blah. blah. So... And that's actually true for people within any industry at the moment already as well, because there's a unfortunate circumstance right now, circumstance is the wrong word, situation where due to generations and people working longer, not retiring, there's, it's, it can be difficult to progress up within a company because, you know, you can't progress because the guy, the person, sorry, above you is still there. So unless they leave, you can't progress. So you have to move to a different company to get a promotion. You know, that's in that's fairly common, unfortunately, in games and outside of games, you know, in employment in general. But you go to a... So if, if you're in like a middle management level role and you want to go to like a senior or even further, like director level, you join a startup, boom, you're going to have to climb that naturally as part of that. Again risks involved and whatnot um so yes those those are my tips in a very roundabout i'm not sure if they were very specific or really that helpful no I, I really appreciated it um i thought they i thought they were really good because when you when you think about the especially the application one when when they're saying like you need certain amount of experience um i think in my mindset and maybe a lot of other people's mindset when you see that you're just kind of like oh if I get into the interview and they say, you, you check that you hit it or like you did this, you know, like, where is it at? And, and then you're just like, um, 
I didn't, uh, I don't really, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing where you've got to kind of not blag, but, but, yeah, blag. You could, but I, obviously <laughs> I'd spin it, like spin it and just be like, oh yeah, you know, I've done a podcast for so long, you know, I do the, I do all the graphics and stuff like that. I'm, you know, graphic designer and all those. And you know, you can kind of spin it towards you to make it work for you. Uh, but I, I just, uh, I think the, uh, the fear, I guess, is getting into the interview and then they're yeah. kind of calling you out on it. And you're just yeah, like, actually, I got just you just brought off a really good bit of advice I have for that kind of situation. So when you're doing the application, mm-hmm. everything should feed into the next stage. So when you have your CV or your resume, um, the purpose of that is not to say everything you've done, although that is what a lot of CVs are. Mm-hmm. The purpose of the CV is to get enough interest that they'll have they'll want to speak to you aka interview you so it's kind of like a breadcrumb channel so you're like hey here's my cv and they read it like oh okay he's done this kind of thing or they've done this kind of thing let's see and this sounds interesting let's give an interview so we can talk about that they can talk about that a bit more and then when you're in an interview the next stage is after the first stage interview usually it's like a practical element right like where they give you a brief and you have to do a task or whatever they ask you. So you want to get into that. So instead of in an interview, now again, this varies from job to job, interview to interview, or person to person, depending on what you feel comfortable with. But I recommend at this stage, what you should be doing is not necessarily talking about completely about what you've done, your achievements, because ultimately what an employer wants to know is what you can do for them, right? That's why they want to hire you. So spin it to be like, okay, if, if the question was like, if the social media manager was like, oh, you know, you've, how have you grown your social media channels? To be like, okay, well, we do these things. Like, you know, we do regular podcasts and streams to keep people engaged and keep filling the timings. But what I would do for your channels is this, this, and this. So it's like, so you're spinning it. So you're like, you're already thinking like, this is what I want to do for you. And then that automatically puts them in the mind. Okay, they're thinking ahead. And then if you come up with some good ideas, okay, there is the risk they'll just steal those ideas and just do it without you. Um, yeah, right. That's the same with all interviews. Right? I know it's illegal, but people don't do it, right? Um, but that's the thing. Then you give them a breadcrumb trail to be like, this is the kind of thing I'm thinking about for your channel. So here's your strengths and weaknesses from my perspective and how I would address and change that, blah, blah, blah. And they'll be thinking, ooh, that sounds good. That sounds smart. Okay, we're going to give him the brief and actually see what he would actually literally do. Then, then that's then you complete the brief, present it, and if it's good enough, then you go into the. Then hopefully you'll get a job offer, right? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate all of that advice. Um, in fact, if you don't mind, I would, you know, I'll, I'll try and keep in touch with you and get, you know, for any more advice and, and stuff like that. I, I would really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so. If you uh, to close out the show, uh, if you would like to tell people where they can find you um, and stuff like that, like Twitter handles and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at dmcto, S-E-T-O. Um, and yeah, hopefully, yeah, you know, I, I try to. One thing why I learned after my job at Square is that, you know, maybe I shouldn't be spending so much time on social media. But um, I do make an effort to apply to everyone who um, who messages me and whatnot. So if I'm a bit slow, sorry. <laughs> well, real, really appreciate you taking uh, a, 
big chunk of your Saturday to be with us. I do. Re- uh, obviously, your time is valuable, and spending it with us is is very. Uh, um, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. I mean, just hanging out, fan fanboying with you, just nerding out. Dude. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it was a nice break for you. You know, obviously you're a community leader, so I mean, you're getting to just hang out with people who want to be in that community <laughs> position as well. So it's like it's pretty, it's pretty neat, you know. So no, we we really appreciate it, man. No, no, it's been it's been great. I've had a blast. Um, sorry if I got a bit preachy towards the end. Oh, no, no, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no problem. Yeah, we're really, here. Really, we're here um, to listen to you. Exactly. We bring you on the show so we can hear you talk, right? Obviously, you know what I mean. I, I love. Yeah, you. you'll regret that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not this time. Nah, well, <laughs> we'll get you a little, a little drink or two so you can really go. Off. I was about to say we'll have to we'll have to bring you back and and have a few drinks ready yeah. so so we can just like progressively go to trash tier commentary. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did have something before we close out the show, uh, because. We hit our goal of 300 subscribers on nice. YouTube. Uh, I believe we're sitting at 308 right now, and we said we would do a giveaway at 300. Um, so this is the uh, music box, the Aerith music box that we'd be giving away. Um, it plays the theme. I think it's going the correct way. Can you hear that? Yeah, yeah. That is really, that is cool. Can I get one? Otherwise, <laughs> oh, I went to the competition now. Oh. So, um, I, we're not 100% sure on what the best way to do it is. I, I'm, I'm thinking we are going to do it uh, on a live stream uh, to anyone who is uh, subscribed to the channel, following Twitch. Um, now, I don't know if we should just do random number generator. We put the list of people in and we hit roll and the computer just spins and and we picks somebody yeah long story short we'll, we'll figure that out behind the scenes but believe us when yeah. we say that we will do it in probably during a live stream probably a live stream like just uh last week we gave away uh, uh and if you haven't um if you haven't read this book it's amazing dan you would you would love it as a final fantasy fan uh final fantasy 7 fan um it's called the norse myths that inspired final fantasy 7 you're wait you know you know mj gallagher yeah 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 I know. oh yeah, yeah come on that's how we got in touch <laughs> um so yeah mj gallagher we gave away his uh book it was a signed copy and it was uh it was given away on twitch during a live stream so we might do something like that we might say like hey if you want to enter in the um into the contest please tune in at certain time and we'll just literally just be a live stream just to give away that uh but if, we just if you comment to... if you comment i like reed's jokes you automatically I like reed's get jokes. To, the, you get to the top of the top of the list you get two entries we, uh, we just wanted to say thank you guys for helping us hit that mark and we're going to keep on pushing forward uh we're at 308 as vinnie said and we're going to keep on pushing forward we want to get uh more subscribers so we can continue to have amazing guests like dan um and you know this has been a really exciting one for me just because uh you know this is dan that has been in you know been in it you know you, you're, you're, on the you're living danny's best life <laughs> you're, living, you're living the life i wanted to have <laughs> it's still, still time it's still, it's still time it's still one um yeah uh so it was really exciting for me to to kind of hear from the industry side of things uh we we have talked to you know voice actors which was awesome um community members but it's been you know been a goal to get on the uh the square enix side of things 
um, or the industry side of things. And uh, wish you the obviously you know, wish you the best of luck with WB Games. Um, huge uh, future, I guess, just an awesome future ahead of WB Games. I'm really excited for all the games coming out um over there we could literally do a podcast wb fan tv uh <laughs> <laughs> it will be the next one oh uh, yeah we could do one on that one as well <laughs> but yes yeah, so thank you so much dan uh really appreciate it Vinny reed it has been a pleasure thank you guys for joining as well I had a great time this yeah, always been always a blast has been final podcast thank you so much for watching